0: I love it when it does that. Hello everyone and welcome to a talk with. I'm here today with Connor Chadwick. Uh introduce yourself. Well, oh, more that way.
1: Hello, I'm Connor Chadwick. I'm over to on YouTube and SoundCloud. And I'm here with Rory. Ooh, that's <laughs> good. <laughs> so, um, introduce myself and
0: <laughs> just genuinely to begin. How are you? You doing all right?
1: I'm I'm all good, yeah. I'm all good. I've uh I've had a quite a decent uh, work week. I've um, hmm. been able to sort of work from home this week. I was meant to potentially be going on site tomorrow, but that got cancelled. So I've effectively got a whole week of work from home, which yeah. is a nice bonus because it means I am not shattered from travelling up and down the country. And I can actually, if I feel like it, do some uh, editing in the evenings, which is nice. Hmm. It's nice Ah, to yeah,
0: it's really. editing. Ooh, yes unique. editing what do you use to edit uh, by the way i've never asked um
1: i what well um i don't really go with it. Well, the thing is i use a mixture of um adobe premiere pro and adobe audition
0: mm.
1: and you would think that considering it's audio editing um that i would probably use audition to put together the whole thing but i don't i use uh i use premiere pro to put together the audio files i import all the files onto Adobe Audition and I just de-noise all you noise know, all the hissing sounds in the background. Yeah. And oh I just God, denoise indeed. all of that and add all the effects from there and then it just saves itself through a thing called dynamic link on Adobe into Premiere Pro mm. and then I just edit it from there. So when I was making my short films I did it on Premiere Pro so... yeah, It just it makes sense to stick with it even if it's not right. I
0: can't stress enough how much I hate that hissing or well, like any, any mm. sounds that get caught up
1: in the speech
0: I'm, I'm sure you've experienced it. Like, um, I call them mouth noises, but they're like clicks and small, like uh, when people- It's are... like a
1: very, it's like a very quiet Yeah, yeah. And you, you can't hear it when you're listening to it, but when you're comparing two people's different lines, you'll just hear it hear it very, very subtly disappear mm. when you do the cut between lines. And have, the amount of people who record lines going, oh, I can't record it right now. There's too much background sound. And I go, record, record a bit of a it yeah. and send it to me. And they say it and they go, I'll get rid of that. And they go, no, but you can't. I can,
2: mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and like, and like it's, it's like, well, they've got family downstairs talking. So like, as long as your voice is the dominant voice, it will get mm. rid of that and keep your. Yeah. that's the whole point. Uh,
0: but, what what what's been the um most challenging audio to edit that you've made so far? If you had to pick like one that sticks, so you in your mind. it
1: wouldn't it, you wouldn't think think this because like when I, like I've done audios when I've done a whole twelve episode series where the episodes were for forty five minutes each. And that just wiped me out energy wise. But the one that actually got me the most angriest and made me almost want to quit was quite early days when I did um, the first volume with Dan as the Irish doctor. Yeah. Uh, it was volume one because, and it's not its not Dan's fault at all. And I never want him to feel like it's something that he's ever, it's not his fault at all because he's got he's got a bit of a stammer sometimes when he on certain words that begin with S or P yeah. you know all the usual ones with like a, a, you know he has a bit of a stutter but he'd never recorded audio before so he was just stuttering every single line and I was having to sit there and listen to an hour long recording of him stuttering. And as a result, the episodes were almost late <laughs> coming out, and I was like, I really hated editing this. And then there were some people who decided to record their lines in sing- in separate recordings, one line at a time. Oh, and, oh, and, I I yeah. mean, and then I was, yeah, and then they don't so, do that. There are, people, there are some people. There were some people who choose to do that. Like there are some actors I still I'm... work with who choose that, but they put a number before it they go yes, number yes, one just, just, hello <laughs> it's not a yeah. matter
0: of not doing it like ignore my advice do do it if you're comfortable doing it that way but please yeah. order them don't just like write random don't just leave it like yeah well the, sometimes, it, sometimes
1: like, they'll write the line sometimes they'll write the title of the line mm. but even then it's like if the first line's hello and the other one is like, are you okay you know it's are you okay and hello in terms of the mm. order of the and I'm not going to sit there. Whereas if it's numbered, or in some cases, some actors put the scene number instead, um, I can then just drag it all into one file, quickly save it as one file, and then do all the audio stuff we do to it. And it's, that's all right, in all fairness. Yeah, I mean- um, How they want to do it, that's absolutely fine. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I've seen- On oh, the other well,
0: one. <laughs> I've seen and talked to so many different audio creators, and they all have their different yeah. kind of processes. You know, like how TT Productions does it all like, everyone in a call, and they all yeah do they everybody. do it live, don't they yeah, they do it live I've talked to Abby on here it's it's it, and I've been a part of some of their productions. I know um you've been a part of some of their productions, right, or am I thinking of a different...
1: ah no every almost almost everyone I know has, but um <laughs> the way that you know you know Chelsea Lagan the way yeah. that she, mm. she describes it as me and Abby are basically almost the same, the same sort of producers planning all the audios behind the scenes. And all that sort of stuff. So it's like we 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 often find ourselves uh, mess like sometimes tweeting one another because she's got plans for the next few years, and I'm like, same. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> and it's great. like that sort of thing. Yeah, so I've, it's, um... I've seen
0: I've seen her um, backlog and yeah. schedule, and it's insane. I mean, props to her and to you. I mean, I I, I I'm more more myself when it comes to audio editing and producing. It's just whatever's done, and then just. Release it whenever and put it on Twitter and say that I'm releasing yeah. it. Then it's more off the curve, Whatever's finished, release it less. And I've got to admire the uh, organisation of your channel, yeah. like Abby's. I mean, great. I mean, they've
1: got it better than I do, and I and I say that because they've got multiple people working multiple projects. So I because I, I see that you know they they have the weekly and sometimes. Um, twice a week content coming up, but they're all made by key people who are a part of certain things. Like you've got yeah. you obviously got before Astra. Um I know they've recently they've been working on something called Molly, which is coming yeah. out in September. Uh, Chelsea's in that as well. And then they've got um they've got Doctor Who the queer doctor adventures as well. Um but they're all made by key people. Yeah. And that makes set more sense than what I do, which is I've just very kind of closed off and go, no I'll edit till <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. And then as a result I the
0: the meme about me not sleeping came about <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um well that's the thing with audio thing is that with audio thing it takes up a lot of time for me at least yeah, it can, yeah be, um... it can be very challenging i mean the most difficult audio i think i've edited was one that was like simple you know in terms of like scale it wasn't like it, so mm. many voice actors it was just a red uh uh just read by one person and it it took so long to get it out it was it took a year to get it out and uh it's like it's one of those developments that'd get its own like classic Doctor Who documentary about how turbulent it was (laughs) I think um, yeah but um I mean even Endgame was uh less turbulent and that's like got how god knows how many people in it at this point
1: <laughs> yeah we got we got some lines over to you a few months ago didn't we mm. all that? yeah didn't um...
0: i think
1: because I I, I I got some uh lines from other people to you but i couldn't and then i couldn't remember if i'd done mine or not and then i suddenly realized i hadn't and then I was like oh no, there you go there you go <laughs> first thing on, on on a good day i can if if, if i'm feeling mm. motivated i can edit about 30 pages worth yeah. of script into an audio a day
0: mm. And That
1: just tires me out. Though, like I was editing the um, the other day, I was editing the Halloween special for you know that the well, are you familiar with the soy from the Halloween special a couple of years ago that mm. we did, Yeah. where Dan just asked me in September, "Okay, hey, can we do that?" I'm like, mm. "Well, <laughs> it's a bit late <laughs> asked me that." But okay, this one we've actually organised properly and got it written. But then. Mm. Then obviously Dan's had his wedding on his honeymoon I'm like, I need the lines, hurry! <laughs> and he's had to quickly record them, just yeah. like in the middle, in the mid part between him getting married and him going on the honeymoon. <laughs> Get them over to it, I've got it edited finally. It's <laughs> and, just a massive factory this.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, and uh, if, and or Anya are watching, congratulations on the wedding by the way. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, how how was that, by the way? How was that? it? Seems- oh, it was
1: it was lovely. Yeah, it was, it was it's one of those things where it's like you know you're watching your you're watching your friend get married, and you're like, this isn't a very adult thing that's happening. And mm-hmm. you know we you know you know we've always kind of like everything's always remained a kind of nice consistency mm-hmm. um, in terms of life. And then you see loads of people taking it to that the next stage in their lives and everything. It's really nice to see. Um, we were in, we were in the church. We uh, went because uh, Dom uh James and or well, obviously Eamon from New Zealand couldn't mm-hmm. make it. We mm-hmm. went on a little zoom and we just had to make sure they were muted and muted our phones as best as possible. And we just put them in the top pocket of our blazer and filmed <laughs> the <other> thing <laughs> happening. And they and they all showed up in suits as well. Ah yes. I think James James was in his uh I think James and Dom were in their tenant uh pinstripe <laughs> blazers And then um uh, wow. Eamon had got his his suit dry cleaned and everything, and they and they and they stood up when we all stood up and everything like that it was quite sweet. Um, and we all got Absolutely. we all got quite yeah, we all got quite emotional because you know well there was Dan obviously we we we'd seen because we 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 was so over it was on a Friday and we'd flown over to Ireland on the Wednesday so we saw him on the Wednesday and a bit of Thursday, and mm-hmm. you could tell that as time went on as it got closer, he was starting to get a bit nervy. But we all just met, We're like, on the Thursday, we just met up and had a McDonald's and then went over to uh, B&M and looked at all the figures to <laughs> calm him down. And then, on, then when the, it was like one of those things where it's like, it's all in planning, it's all moving constantly. Like he was driving between doing so many different things. And then on Friday, um, he was still at the altar and everything, you know, what I mean, when, you, you know, when it's like the calm before the storm where yeah, everything goes really silent for a second and then yeah. everything kicks off it was like that we were all sort of stood there well we all sat down and everything went silent in the uh in the uh in the church and dan was just stood there and it was like that moment where you could see on dan's face that he's realized all, all the organizations stop now it's about to happen and then the doors opened and there was Anya in her dress and he just cried yeah. <laughs> it was like we were all getting very tearful but it was one of those things where it was like planning it for a year and a half
0: non-stop I mean, it, it sounds like it was a beautiful day it sounds like magnificent oh yeah it was a very nice and, warm day as well yeah i mean no, yeah. it's the perfect weather to kind of do it around this time you kind of
1: well i flew um i, I flew back the next day just because i was uh i was gone for basically ha- i was able to get half a week off work so mm-hmm. i had to come back on the sunday just so i could kind of detox before heading back off to work and everything but yeah. what's funny about two hours after i flew um there was a massive rainstorm that flooded the roads <laughs> So um I got videos from Dan and Anya driving on the road and I realised they were on the same road as the hotel round the corner from the hotel that we were at. Yeah. And water was just running down that road, <laughs> drains were overflowing, <laughs> and it it was just mad. Wow. The, the, the weather was just perfect for that day. And yeah. then it went back to raining yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh and to go from a really, you know happy subjects to, uh, because last time I did a podcast, uh, the, this um, episode, it was a day, I think it was a day after the passing of David Warner. Mm. And since then, we've obviously- Oh! Seen Bernard Cribbins, one of the greatest- yeah. to Ever grace our screens. Uh, I just wanna cover that, um, and how yeah, genuinely uh, incredible he was in Doctor Who, which is obviously my main, you know, most, <laughs> most people, not most people but most people within the fandoms main exposure to him as an actor was through him playing playing Wilf and Tom. Uh I just wanted to yeah. uh ask you a bit about um just thoughts on Bernard Cribbins and uh just uh a,
1: a discussion It was a him. very, very a very rough week wasn't it? Yeah. Because I mean, I- uh yeah you had David Warner and uh obviously um at the time, obviously, like I mean, as, as we're, obviously we're in August now, next month there's going to be another box set with him, and we just heard as well from Chris Raggles, yeah. he's going to be on the 60th. So yeah. it's all going, to, and, and that's what's going to be something else. I noted, which was it's going to be kind of bittersweet because we're going to have the the TV, the televised 60th, and the big finish 60th, and they're both going to feature two amazing actors who died in the same week. Yeah, it's, it's weird how the world aligns like that. But no, they were they, they were they were great. They were great actors and. From from what I'd heard from because I I I was working with someone who was at the time in training but wasn't able to go forward with the job in the end. But they they knew people in the Doctor Who community like like you know like Joe Lidster mm. and uh, and Lisa Bauman and uh, and Louise Jameson and they got, had a chance to hear about David Warner before never, never sadly never met him. But um, uh, he was telling me some stories about what they were saying and everything it was nice to hear as well. And then obviously Bernard mm. Cribbins. I didn't realize at first that when I watched the the movies with Peter Cushing, I didn't realize that that was Bernard Cribbins at first yeah. until you hear the voice until you hear the voice properly and you're like, wait a second, that sounds familiar. And it was mm. just he's always got in in every performance that Bernard Cribbins did on screen, you could always there was always a nice sort of love lovable energy in it. You know what I mean?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. I mean, um, I think it, it, it's very bittersweet watching the end of time now because you get that. I think one scene that stands out to so, me and pretty much everyone really is the cafe scene, but also like the one where they're overlooking Earth in the spaceship. I think mm. those scenes in yeah. particular for me, they hit. They just really hit. I think um, losing Bernard Cribbins hit me just as hard as losing Elizabeth Sladen in 2011. I don't think. I don't mm. think a, a, a passing is you know of uh, knowing someone from Doctor Who and watching mm. their performances. I don't think the passing of a, of a, icon has hit me as hard as it did yeah. with Elizabeth Sladen. I think because I grew up with them. I, grew I remember
1: up. where I was. I remember where I was when I heard about Elizabeth Sladen. I couldn't believe Things it because I was, I, I was, not even in England. I was in, uh, <laughs> of all places, I was in Sam Juan. <laughs> no, <I'm, laughs> I was on the other side of the world at the time, and yeah, it was.
0: I'm in because
1: of the time differences, though. But when I was away in another country where we were in a completely different time zone, so it was like the early morning for me and I woke up and just read it on BBC News.
0: Yeah. I'm in the room where I heard it happen. I'm in my living room. I was right by the fireplace, which is over there. Mm. I remember exactly and uh, I watched it as soon as it went live on TV. I didn't expect it. I was completely caught off guard. I think I was about... God, I must have been around... uh,
1: 2011
0: so it's 11, like, 11 years ago yeah okay. something like that but uh yeah uh bernard Cribbins, i think is one of the best actors to ever grace the screen he played one of the best characters and most important characters in the show's history i think um especially um obviously wolf but also tom in the movie i uh, i especially love yeah. his comedic performance uh in that movie and the fact that he got such a happy ending in that movie as well i love that ending. i think it's my favorite film ending that one (laughs) and i think he just gave it his all to every performance and it's such a tragic loss and i've been listening to right said fred a lot after the passing because all of his other performances as well uh uh, i've seen quite a lot of them especially on CBBS, uh watching him uh tell his stories after i was mainly exposed to that after the passing it was bittersweet and it was
1: yeah i found myself watching a lot of like uh, for example i'll keep watching the end of uh, partners in crime
0: oh yeah that one that scene is it's yeah. beautiful, beautiful scene. and when he's talking to donna as well mm. I, I mean those scenes are bittersweet in themselves because of um uh they were uh wolf was only part of the show because of the Passing of the actor who plays Donna's dad. Possibly. Yeah, he,
1: he was meant to be a nice little cameo for Voyage of the Damned, wasn't he? To go, hey, look, at that guy. Yeah. He could always <laughs> say it was him or something. But then, obviously, uh, after, after the passing of the actor who played uh, Jeffrey Noble, um, he was happy to step in that role. Mm. And it, it was nice. It was nice because then um, yeah, you, have, you, you still had that nice, uh, you know, we had a bit more time with Wilf, which was even better. Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. um, uh, Another thing I wanted to just going on to uh, a lighter note. I just want to ask you about your creative process when it comes to Ocean audios and how you began making your audios. uh, Yeah, just generally, just talk about Mm -hmm. that a bit.
1: Well, I'll I'll start with like like maybe the the first audio I made. Yeah. Um, It was 2013 for the 50th and. I wanted to make, I, I, I've been making fan films basically since about 2007, mm. and then I stopped in 2010 because I kind of wanted to focus on some other things. I kind of never quite went back to Doctor Who properly until over to turned audios, but yeah. I wanted to make something for the 50th, so I created this version of the Doctor Who, you still kind of see now, he basically was the cravat doctor but very early days and um, not really fleshed out. And it was just an episode called Time. And ironically, not really genuinely, um, this is why I feel like Chibnall keeps ripping me off. It was on a planet called Time. (laughs) (laughs) And um, except that it was was like, it was an anomaly. It was like a planet that existed within the Time Vortex. Uh
3: Um,
1: And it was just a little story that I made with a couple of friends and made it in about three days. not anything like horrible like not not, not not anything i don't think it was too horrible but it uh, you know it was something very quick turnaround just to say i did something doctor who's related and then i decided to do a fan film and i uploaded those visual episodes as part of like i called them like a lockdown special thing because everyone was kind of releasing our little lockdown specials yeah. alongside all the new doctor who content we were getting so i decided yeah. to re-release those and then 2016 is when i decided to start making doctor who audios trying to develop what i did in that 50th mm. but i wasn't fully what would you call committed i just wanted to make them whenever i wanted i I'd, I'd, I'd been making so many short films that weren't Doctor Who, but i still wanted to make it every now and again not be strictly doing it weekly giving myself a schedule so it was about four or five months between episodes um and i didn't really have a strict regime it was only until I was doing that for the first series and it was only until I got to about episode four that um, I met I met John and Harper. Mm. Um, I'd uploaded um, Survival of the Cybermen in November 2017 and I had it on a separate YouTube channel that I didn't monitor or anything like that. It was just something I did on the side and I went, went and logged back in and I saw a comment from John that had come through about three months prior. <laughs> And it was him saying, hey, do you want to be in a shared universe? We can have our doctors be in the same universe. Ah. And um, I got in touch with him over YouTube messaging before that got stopped. <laughs> and then we, we ah. exchanged um, we exchanged Skypes and everything. And we went on Skype and talked a bit. And he said ah, that he had well. yeah. Oh, and the we yeah, and then we just chatted a little bit. And then um, he was still developing his. I said, I think about it. And then literally the day after, dan said to me daniel j Patton said to me um hey do you want to be a part of dw 2012. i was like all right then <laughs> go on then <laughs> and then um he said well what, what what would go on in the story and i said explained how in what i'd done was make a parallel ninth doctor where the daleks won the time one, he left that universe because it was getting destroyed and he led and arrived in what i called the prime universe but supposedly could now be the dw2012 one because there was a plan that the doctor after mm. dan's doctor would disperse into atoms and stop existing or something like that yeah so that was initially the original ending for dw2012 so we talked about where i'd be and we talked to luke newman about it too and we thought it's not going to be wise doing it before everything because then i'm mm. so restricted and then i talked to dan about it and dan said look i've already got a set plan i know what i'm doing why don't you just we just if you're playing a parallel version and the doctor's gone why not just have it be after this point so you're now the furthest point got it all confirmed with luke and everything and we just did it i finished off series one which is why randomly throughout it dan suddenly makes the cameo and then um sort of setting all these things up and then in series two we just made sure it was all much more better connected and then we just went on from there and i had a the the, the regime i've got didn't happen immediately <laughs> Yeah, And it's a funny story about how it happened. Cause when I say it without context, um, it sounds like I was thrown in a, a mental asylum.
0: Yeah. Well, I think my- cat which, is-
1: which is that I was working, which is that I was, uh, I was working at Broadmoor Mental Hospital <laughs> at the time. Um, yeah. And it was the brand new development that they finished in 2019. Cause I, I worked for, uh, work for my dad's construction compliance company so we were down in Berkshire a lot for that and whenever we were on that site it was pretty much finished but it was all wrong. Yeah. Um, I had to sometimes sit there for a whole day, I'd, I'd only have one small job to do to quickly look at it and then I'd be yeah. sat with my laptop without signal for hours, Blimey. sometimes up to six hours. So I just opened Celtex and would just start writing. I just yeah. I just didn't really care about what I wrote because at the time I was making another series called Waterside, which was so strict and had me writing and and confirmed with other producers. And at the time, we were kind of at each other's throats because we were arguing about what we wanted to happen in the series. And I just went, well, I'm the one writing it. I should have a choice as well, and all that sort of stuff, and not feeling very collaborative at the time. But I wanted to just write something that I could just write and go, done, I'm making stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah. I just started to write Doctor Who, then I wrote the General Marsh stuff. And I wrote, that, I wrote about a year's worth of content in about six weeks. Mm, and yeah. that's how I ended up a year in advance of everything. And then from there, it just continued. It just continued and continued. Um, and then obviously the lockdown happened in 2020. And then uh, I had more time to do things. And in fact, like <laughs> yeah. when we did well, on That's, chart that's when I started.
0: 30. That's how yeah. I began back in lockdown. It was, um, mm-hmm. uh, I started uh, m- my first few audios. Um, uh, I believe my first one was actually one that's not accessible anymore, completely not accessible. It was one um it was a really really terrible script it was called return of the shauka and it was based on like the night doctor making meeting the shauka doctor i was kind of oh. getting to it then and i just kind of thrown myself into audio editing so i had no experience mm. prior, n- no editing experience prior um and of course through that i had to teach myself how to do it And then, yeah. then um, i did a few more ones that aren't accessible anymore because um they were slowly becoming my most viewed videos and they weren't good whatsoever um because you know the first ones you ever make are most commonly like the videos that people go back to look at um yeah, yeah. the one that's um then there was the first up to the dark days which is when it all kind of took off uh mm-hmm. which that one was also taken down for a while but that's because i'm redoing it, it was um, an adaptation of the night walkers which was this oh. generation, but it was basically um it was an adaptation but done very differently it was it was um it, i had like the fugitive doctor meet the second doctor and uh, i challenged the writer to include salamander it was a whole thing <laughs> uh, and then um that's kind of where i kind of probably devoted myself to audio editing and teaching myself more about it and as i continue to edit onwards you can kind of see the progress through my channel, although the orders kind of changed now, I've ordered it all differently. But if you watch it upload order, you can kind of see where I was teaching myself more and more up until yeah. now, where I'm. I am a pretty consistent quality, I, um, and uh, I really enjoy making them. And yeah, it, it's it, that—that's how I got into it, which was just mainly just throwing myself into it during lockdown, where I had the time yeah. to do it. Um, and of course. I'm going to uni later on in this year, so I might not have oh, as much time to do it, but it's also a film and TV school, so I can kind discuss. of, yeah, I can kind of, I'll, I'll still do it, I'll definitely still do it, I'm not dropping this, I really enjoy doing, making this content, Um, but uh, there was something recent happened that kind of stopped me it. and I would kind of want to pass it on to you, because we've discussed this prior, and we, uh we've both discussed the situation quite a lot because it is mm. it's quite a heavy situation, but I'd rather uh you talk about it more than I do. It's um about uh how Overton Audios has now kind of left the DW twenty twelve circle. Mm. Um, you know, the universe, the connected universe, and how Overton Audios is going forward uh yeah. you know, because of course DW twenty twelve is no longer a part of it to an extent. Of course, you've still got the little red doctor story out, uh, transcending time. Uh, that um, and it was it, that was a brilliant story, by the way, a uh, phenomenal. But uh, yeah, anyways, you've mentioned it on your one last thing. You mentioned it on your own podcast, which people should check out. I'll leave it in the description and your monthly vlogs, which I'd like to talk to you about after, yeah. after this. So yeah, take it away.
1: Um, yeah, so I can't remember when it was now specifically. Was it July or June? I can't remember now. Remember was kind of all it was about a month ago. It. About yeah. a month ago, I was recording this anyway that um i I decided to leave dw 2012. there was just a lot of things going on in the background that i don't think a lot of people see when they see all the content come out like obviously Mm -hmm. we all try and be collaborative people and we try and work together with people we want but ultimately this isn't just a community of a small crowd of people it's a much larger crowd Um, but there was just a lot of for the past year and a half there was just a lot of problems coming up where I wanted to work with other DW2012 doctors who a voice that they wanted to work with me. Um, and so we had plans um, and then Luke, Luke Newman would come in and counsel them. Um, and that's what, like, for example, the first time I saw this happen was actually in 2019.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there was a big three-parter I did called Transcendence. And yeah. it was because I didn't I didn't predict that lockdown would happen, but it was due to come out in April twenty twenty, and I was doing it in twenty nineteen. But it was meant to be a celebration of DW twenty twelve as a whole because I'm trying to mm-hmm. I'm sort of making these audios in little weird phases kind of thing, yeah. and this was at the end of phase one in a way. And I thought it'd be nice to have like Luke, Dom, George, um, and then obviously all the other ones that I work with like North, like Nathan as Northern Doctor. Ah, uh, Pete Adams is young, or James M. Dean, whoever was playing him at the time. um and then obviously myself and Dan. Um, it was just we just had this idea to bring everyone together and have a real big story. And I didn't know about this all this whole uh, approach about having to ask someone else permission for someone to be in something. So I just wrote the script and I sent it to Dom. Dom recorded his lines, and it was due to have Ben Walden in as Tommy. And then one day, they were filming, I know what scenes they were filming, actually, it was the scenes with the biscuit tin outside the house, when they were chasing the time flies in series five, episode yeah, one, you know, when he runs out and everything, and they're running around. It was that day, you know, filming that, that I messaged Ben again, and because it'd been about three weeks of him saying he'd do it soon. <laughs> and then um, uh, he then mentioned it to Luke on the side, going, yeah, I've got to record these lines. And then that's how Luke found out about it. It wasn't something I was trying to hide. I didn't know that it was going on. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just getting very I mean, bad. I, I but, um, a very
0: similar situation for what happened in Endgame, of course, um, because of course mm-hmm. it's it's quite a similar like scale celebration of all fan content from everywhere around Doctor Who, the fan multiverse in a way, and it it, it kind of um verses yeah. universes and universes, and then um, I I got uh George and uh, a whole lot of other Dots involved, um, and it was specifically the blonde Doctor content and stuff like that that he wouldn't allow. And it was mainly based on him having the rights to the character, Uh, rights to the doctor. doctor, That was his wording. Um, He sent me that at four AM. I I know you mentioned this on your uh, on your podcast. uh, Yeah, mentioned dog ballot and everything. That's uh, it's but that
1: but that was just the first example that we'd experienced. Of yeah. that, which was, well, was now nearly four years ago and he was threatening uh to kick me out and everything and i just said look i didn't know that there was a plan i get that you know we all have plans and luke is working with Dominic so there's probably a predetermined plan but i spoke to dom and then dom wasn't aware of this either and they just made mm. things a bit messy um and that that was a that was a while ago but it was more recently that um we'd made talk the tortured rebirth for you and like, i think a lot of people quite liked it we, we weren't really yeah, hard yeah, and, done and it, it, it all came out and it was well received and then we were thinking right okay that's we, we know what kind of people we hadn't really started working on volume two quite properly yet because we, we wanted to see and make sure that everyone was happy or not happy about something we could change it and then we knew what we were going to do for a second volume and then luke just came in and cancelled it
3: hmm. and
1: just said that continuity is too difficult to manage but I'm the guy who managed the continuity for him. Yeah,
2: that's the
1: thing. I've got this massive Excel uh, timeline all written up (laughs) uh, for him. And and then there was this whole thing that came out about him actually gonna, I don't don't even know if I've mentioned this before, (laughs) but he was planning on, um, he's apparently planning on killing off all the characters from Rebirth anyway in series five.
0: Yeah, yeah. But hasn't
1: told any of the people that either.
0: Yeah, I've, I've, I've. So there's just about the,
1: that. so that that's where this confusion came in. James and Ben were like, What? Sorry, we, we made these characters. And yeah, then I, Luke, he said, and this is why oh, this is one of the reasons I, I said leaving was because he then turned around and went, Well, I don't have to tell you anything, it's my series. Mm, and I just, I'm just thing, like, it's, it's, it's a, a control
0: thing, like thing, isn't it? At the end of the day,
1: it is very much. And I think then, um,
0: that, that's so, happened to quite a lot of universes is that what people don't realize is that when you have a fan universe, it's a collaborative effort. You can't have just one person at the top because you start, if one person's at the top, it's not like Luke even started that universe anyway, it started by mm-hmm. up uh, But that aside, you can't really, it, it's kind of, it kind of creates a pyramid at the end of the day, and it will just yeah. end up being unfair, like a feudal I, system. I
1: agree that there has to be, in some cases, when you're making a shared universe, there has to be someone there to say, no, it doesn't work.
3: Mm. Yeah. or
1: for example if you planned one story and you all know about it and then you and then like, let's say for example i come up with a story where i meet i meet dan i meet the irish doctor and it's a story about them fighting daleks then mm. i don't know dan has another idea later going i want to meet the, the daleks with the same ones from that story i go well no those ones are only specific to that story for these reasons we mm. just haven't and then the, 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 what i consider that is that that's an a statement put forward and then you discuss yeah um, there was a
0: discussion not a uh, strict
1: exactly whereas no. when, when when luke told us this whole stuff about rebirth we went on a zoom myself and james initially and james was and I, I, don't, I don't know i don't know He he was very upset about it he was I don't. I the, the, the thing is, and I know it's you know I always make the argument for only fan films, it shouldn't be taken that seriously. But James has been trying to make rebirth for years, and Luke's constantly pushing I mean, back again, And then we finally make something, he cancels it immediately after, and then you find out he's killing everyone. I mean, so it's like, <laughs> what's going I mean, on? Fan films. And, and then on top of that, you had Luke then saying that James doesn't matter.
2: Oh yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Yes. And and that's why I was just like, I can't do this. I mean this isn't like I don't care anymore it's not I, I used to like it's a bit friends exactly. friends should matter first when humanity
0: over films hum- humanity yeah. over the characters themselves if, if you're making a universe and uh, barely any content comes out and mm. the actors that you're you're like they're not doing it for any money they're not getting anything out of no. it other than being a part of this they want to be a part of this. They want to play their characters. If they want to play their characters in the Endgame Saga or another crossover. Um, sure. I mean, y- you can ask about it, but you can't just straight up tell them no, because at the end of the day, we're all just wearing silly costumes and playing the Doctor Yeah, That's what we want to do. Exactly. It's just
1: saga. yeah, that's exactly that. And, that. and it's funny because um, in May this year, Luke also tried to kick me out again. Mm. And I just told him no, he he didn't know know how to react to that, but no one agreed with him. And then as soon as I said I was leaving, he was saying, please don't go. It was just one of those things where it's just like, make up your mind. But either way I went and I told them that I basically, because I I basically manage uh, the Northern doctor and the young doctor for mm. both Nathan Carter and Pete Adams, because you know what, Nathan's not,
0: he's,
1: he's finished his run anyway. Um, but also he's got work in the industry itself. Mm. So he's very busy and if he t- and if I just say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, he will typically talk to me and go, actually, I don't feel that way or whatever. Like for example, the volume he made recently was only meant to be a one-off volume. Um, but now after the reception is received, he said, let's do some more and we're thinking about doing some more soon. Like, you know what I mean? It just opens up a, f- a bit more possibility.
0: Yeah. Um, thank you. for As a it. result,
1: I, I thought I'm not going to leave them. To
0: yeah. Be no, thank you for
1: controlled by Luke. Him a,
0: a part so, of the game target that was brilliant as well. Having the Northern Doctor yeah. part of that. And, um, and then
1: um, yeah, we had that. We then had that about a week of me trying to sort of settle it in. And I thought, well, we'd made this transcending time episode with Luke, Meg, and the Tenth Doctor. It didn't make sense not to release it. And at the time, I'd been messed around quite a bit about the release of it yeah and uh, i thought well at this stage we know it's like it's over the only thing associating us all is this so mm. i decided to release it um yeah, they, they got really angry <laughs> didn't talk to me but then just post that th- i mean you were on that zoom call you know they just posted that announcement
0: I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, I was on Zoom. There was no coordination for that announcement, none whatsoever. We were playing Minecraft at the time, and you were completely shocked, as was everyone that had been dropped. There was there were plans to um, there were coordinated movies Yeah, well, yeah. Announced. There
1: was there was a plan to because there was a plan that I was going to appear in, a, in somewhere in live action,
3: mm.
1: and actually that was going to be something that would explain how this works because the problem is i've made too many stories within this canon it's impossible to decanonize everything i've done otherwise it's like in the same way that what luke's statement did was at the cusp of dan anya's wedding they got a flood of messages are you canon anymore Yeah. because half of the half of dan's is. Over to the audience. exactly
0: that's what i was thinking i even left the comment at the time and i kind of yeah.
1: and then there was the
0: live stream instant which was <laughs> night, yeah. Where, yeah. where um i kind of pointed him out on it obviously i'd run by every... a lot of
1: people were when they made that statement yeah i was yeah, surprised like, I, I was surprised and videos. humbled i i ran by yeah, I was surprised and, humbled I and flattered by forward. the amount of people yeah who'd come forward going what yeah exactly and then um, they
0: it was so out of the blue. and
1: then,
0: yeah. And then I was in the we we were in the call at that time. And um, you know, I was dropping messages, just asking questions, pointing them out on why this is wrong. It's it's like it's not hate. None of this is hate. I I don't hate DW. He 20. branded it
1: as that. He branded that, it that's
0: what face. he branded it as. I don't hate them. I want them to improve. I want them to, you know, I want them to be better. It's not a matter of you know saying, "Oh, you're wrong, you're unforgivable." It's a matter of saying, "Well, this is how you can improve towards people. This is how you can be a be, be better in this aspect." And uh, I think it's also a matter of, I, 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 in in the community, in the fandom, a lot of people who've been doing it for a lot of time have a big platform, a huge yeah. platform, and nobody, and if. You know if stuff happens behind the scenes and if they've built up this platform over sometimes some people can kind of be defensive even though they don't know everything Be yeah. defensive because the behind the scenes of this is very complex there's a lot of complex things that we haven't gone into yeah. not our stories to tell but the, the things that have we have discussed uh you know uh, uh are things we've been a part of and things that have affected us um but the thing is when creators have this big platform, I think it it strikes another problem within the fan base, is that kind of inner circle
1: mentality, the kind of. Mm. I you mean, know, I I liked it back in the back in the good old days when I was doing I was doing fan films in two thousand and seven. My first ever YouTube yeah. channel, ninth of May two thousand and seven. I did fan films where I had the webcam lent up against the computer screen, and mm. I would have the you know the um you know the, um tenant Tardis playset. Yeah, I just put that console up against the webcam, and then I'd move back, and the perspective would look yeah would look really be really, really different. And I loved I loved making those, and it was really awful because obviously you know it's a webcam and oh, the yeah, yeah. microphone. The microphone was really you couldn't hear us. Yeah, it but was it's just, just more going calm oh. to
0: it. I mean, um, I think I, I discussed. Oh this no, that's the a thing.
1: That's it. Like when when the lockdown when the first lockdown kicked in, Pete had found um, he'd found an old story from the last ever story he made before. Stopping fan films in 2009, mm. and he found all the raw footage for it on an old hard drive. So because of lockdown, he just mm. edited it and sent it to. Him. I think it's. I think I posted it on an, it's on an Instagram story somewhere. Yeah. I have got it saved as one of the highlights.
2: I've been um, but looking so it, It's just a sort of
1: TARDIS it, model put in front of the camera, and yeah. then faded in with the TARDIS effect, and then they just walk out back onto the street. You know, you know what I mean. It, it, it has a charm. I think old fan films have a charm, and there's this misconception. Oh, yeah, yeah. That if people don't have the budget. And oddly, I do think that it's because of um, the amount of production quality that DW2012 and some, to an extent some others have given, but it's not, they've not done that intentionally either. It's the fandom now getting used to a new style of production. Yeah, right? I mean, me and me Jed
0: actually discussed this and it, it kind of happens to the Star Trek, um, the Star Trek fan fandom is that so many, oh. um, fan films were suddenly using sets from the show or CGI similar to the show or this huge budget. And suddenly mm. every fan film had to live up to those standards, had to live up to those, to those limits. And it's not about that. As I said earlier, it's just about jumping in a costume and being the dog yeah. for a few days. I mean, it.
1: I've, I've learned a lot about cover art creation, uh, more recently. It's why, for example, like, um, uh, I got Dan to do most of my cover arts. there mm. was a time when he paused for a little bit. And that's because I was making so much he couldn't keep up. But that's understandable. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, no, I, no, I started no, making no. some cover arts myself and they're not great, but they serve a purpose and not, and not a lot of people dislike them. I
3: mean,
0: But
1: yet you look at Dan's and you can see the more production value there because he knows it. But I that's the whole point. It's Is not a
0: matter that? of not, like we're not hating on big production values. I mean, I'm making no. an anthem, but I'm putting quite a lot of, them. I put Quite a lot of my Christmas money into it, quite uh, when I started. Mm. Now I think it's just and you know I'm I'm going not for that kind of big production, but the few scenes where you know where it's kind of uh, you know where it, like a Tardis shot or something where I'm gonna need need that. Yeah. Um, but it, it's not at the end of the day. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about um, it's not a class system. None of it's a class system. None okay. of it's fit into it that.
1: It's, of, it's, it's like it's like nowadays I see audiences judging a TV show based on it's CGI, even though they have no idea how it's done anyway. And it's yeah. not like I'm, I'm you know, you can look at something and go, oh, that doesn't look real, it doesn't look very good, yeah. But I um, I watched today actually, I watched a reaction video to uh, the doctor dances, so I was watching that again and I thought, I wonder if there are any now like reaction videos from now of people reacting to it, because, you know, obviously back in 2005 there weren't any, uh, YouTube was was only still in its infancy back then, so mm-hmm. I looked it up, and there's a shot where um there's, you know that scene in The Doctor Dances when um Jack teleports away? <laughs> yeah, the, that, that was one I thought
0: you were going to bring up, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, everyone just went, everyone just went, oh, she is he, he going to go? And it cuts the shot of him, and they went, well, that's CGI, and I'm like, you don't need to say that, though. You don't need what to, say that. just... What were like, they going to do? Make him teleport? What? Well, yeah, exactly. I, mean, I think it's because nowadays visual effects have got to have such a high standard mm. that when you go back and watch older products, you can see it. Like,
3: yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like, no,
1: you, think about the first, you think about the first Tron movie and you can see, like, having watched Tron Legacy from the, you know, the 2010 film and then you look at the original, I don't, I can see it's, I can, obviously, like, you can't get it through the beginning. But nonetheless, it's about appreciating yeah. the style. Yeah, exactly. And how they tried yeah. to accomplish it. I yeah.
0: really don't try to let it dictate my enjoyment, but Twitter makes it so difficult. It makes it so difficult. Yeah, like this whole recent thing film. about
1: people moaning about the visual effects on Marvel. Now it's yeah, come out I mean, that visual effects artists were overworked.
0: I mean, Twitter it's like, makes it so difficult to look at a film subjectively. Everything yeah. must be objective. Things from 15 years ago must be objective to the day's standards. And it's
1: unfair. See, comparisons. Of films now, in comparison to what they look like, and you yeah, know the color grading is different. Like I saw someone comparing a shot from the first Thor film from Marvel from MCU to the latest one, mm. and then people saying, "Oh, it looks like a TV movie now" and stuff like that. And it's just to do with the grading Yeah, um, that's that's all it's about, really. Exactly. Um, but it, it also serves the story. But nowadays, I'm I'm not going to get too political on it. All I'll say is, I see a lot of messages saying. You shouldn't judge people you don't know their story. And then I see the same people judging other things. Yeah, and I'm just like, I can't stand it. I mean, I've recently done and made an open audio's Twitter because everybody else was kind of like, I'm seeing like, obviously when um Chelsea's uh, tagging TT Productions. I'm like why why am i like and then it goes and then on the bio it says she does stuff for overton audience but i'm the only one who doesn't have a tag i'm like I, I should probably make one and then it would probably be good and as a result it has kind of it has helped to know the, the followers yeah. have risen why? i
0: mean that, that's how i advertise that's how i started and that's how hmm. i gained my it, it, it's a great thing because like a lot of youtubers they use tick tock they use Twitch, they use every other social media platform to... Chelsea wants rights.
1: me to make a TikTok and make mm. some of the audios that I make, uh, m- like lip sync to them as, as the Cravat mm-hmm. Doctor, and then she'll duet them as Julia Breslin. <laughs> oh, and, like, we'll just, I'll, I'll like, get the photo of the TARDIS and like green screen it around mm. me, like stand against one of these white walls behind me or something, <laughs> and just in full costume and mimic mm. it or something. But I don't even know if I'd be able to keep mm-hmm. up with my own words, because... I'm not really a visual
0: actor. Here's a question I mean, about visual acting, but uh, would you ever go back to doing uh, fan films again? Would you? uh, Because I know you were were in a few.
1: uh, It has been something I've thought about. Mm, Like somebody asked me this a couple of years ago and they said, what would you do? And I said, would you make new cravat stories or would you remake the ones that are currently out? And I thought, I'd probably, for example, there's one that the one I loved making. Even if in audio, it's, it's, it's called it's called the, the Doctor Calls, mm. and it's an uh, adaptation on the play, uh, the 1888 play, and Inspector Calls. That is my
0: favourite play of all time. Mm.
1: It is, genuine. and all, all I did was adapt it because Inspector Gould is a go- is meant to imply it's, that he was oh never God. there. It's genuine. so the Doctor. I, I loved I loved that story, and I just oh, sort of wrote in that it, it, the Doctor shows up. With two other detectives I did, his companions,
0: I did an inspector calls for my GCSE uh, a few years back. Mm. Studied it for two years, and I was enthralled with that story. I did the I same, did,
1: thing same thing non
0: Like uh, thinking about the inspector being the embodiment of guilt, the political connotations of the story, the political backstory, mm. um, the cl- how it covers the class system. It's genuinely.
1: Like, and uh, like, yeah. I mean, this, that, I mean attention. that one was a difficult one to adapt. It was a very, very difficult one to adapt because, because, well, you know the story. There's yeah. very deep adult themes in there, too, which I, I had to turn to a couple of people and actually ask, "Is this appropriate for Doc Two? Like, you know, uh, for example, there was one of the one of the characters who had, um,
0: and, and not, what are you talking about? Understand? Well, you know, it's
1: like, do, do I use, for example, hopefully, you know what I mean when I say, do I use the R word?
0: Ah oh yeah, yeah. The
1: Doctor Who. Uh, yeah. I like it when Doctor Who I like exploring the idea of adding mature themes to Doctor mm. Who because
0: I, f- I think not, because series, I'm, I'm, I'm not
1: not that the Doctor or anything should be outright swearing, but those sort of themes where um like you do talk about things that you know do happen to people to yeah. I mean, address um, them.
0: And as fan series we can kind of take it to levels that the show can't.
1: Well, yeah, like like for example, in the end I ended up just huh? having the, the, the responsible party, I ended up just having them say that um, what they did with the person who was deceased was not, was not consensual. Mm. And that's as far as I ever went with saying anything like that. And I thought, because i was trying to think of the balance of, and I wasn't trying to I treat it like real Doctor Who, but you got to think of the balance of, if you put in Doctor Who fan film, a, some, a, young, a, a child's going
0: to watch it. You kind of have to. Yeah,
1: you don't want to turn around it. and start like throwing out words and teaching them like the, those mm-hmm. sort of things in the Doctor's Pam film. Oh, so yeah. saying that, like, you know, it, 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 even though even using, you know, like I, I try to think about like when I, like, because well, like, I watched Doctor again, I watched Doctor Dances again today, and they talk about being a single teenage mother in in the nineteen forties and mm. there's something I know, that I noticed happened there because I've watched it in years that I didn't notice as a kid which was it cuts to Rose having an actual kind of understanding reaction to it and you never really thought and I never really thought of it but she she grew up on a council estate where that was probably things that happened mm. she's probably seeing it as this is like what happens at home but in the past where it's really really looked down upon even more like she yeah. she was you could see on her face she was completely understanding of the situation and it's something I didn't pick up on as a kid. So that's what, why I was trying to find the balance yeah, between that. I do
0: love to the how they, how, how you can kind of weave something in that you won't understand as a kid, but you understand as an adult.
1: It, exactly. It, it, like the, the RTD era was actually filled with that.
0: Yeah, very yeah, subtle. Yeah, no, especially. It's very ground and quite, you know, very, you know, yeah, trenched in the real world and real world issues. And that's what I love about it. And I can't wait for him to come back. That's going to be insane. I mean, I mean,
1: I mean, I was watching. I know that I spoke, I spoke about this last night, but um, I watched Fear Her the other day, Ooh. and a lot of people don't like it. But when you really bottle it down to what it is, Chloe Weber in that story was dealing with depression after having an abusive father.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, it, it's, and it's such it's a really light.
1: It seems such like such a lighthearted episode, and her vision of what her father looked like was the devil.
0: Yeah, and, <laughs> like, and I, I do like that story. I don't really see anything mm-hmm. wrong with it. Um, personally, um, I would also attribute kind of similar, a similar mindset to Love and Monsters, which has kind of become my brand now because I keep on defending it and saying how much I love it at pretty much every opportunity because it has become my brand, but it's a very camp, very happy episode, but you can see Elton, Elton's dealing with a lot. He's dealing with the loss of his mother as a kid and he's fixated on the doctor all of his life because of that. And then you get to the moment where you find out his mother died and it's moved in beautifully. And like how he finds people who have been through similar traumas throughout their life. He he finds people who he can kind of not relate to as per se, but people who are lonely. It's it's an episode about loneliness and it's kind of about the Dotsu. It's about the Dotsu fandom as well. People who have a united... uh, common interest and they find yeah. each other. And that's what I find so beautiful about Love and Monsters is that it covers loneliness and Jackie as well, and how she yeah. handles her loneliness. It, it's very much, um, and they all, it it's all why
1: I, I hope they bring back more. I, I don't know if RTD people do this anymore, but the Dr. Light stories are some of my favorites. I mean, Blink is quite well liked, but oddly the ones like Love and Monsters, where it's really 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 grounded mm. and you're just seeing like between adventures like you know when jackie gets a phone call from rose oh. doesn't feel in the mood for the date anymore you mm. realize that from rose she's just having a laugh and going hi Mum, how are you cool anyway i'm gonna go back on, on wacky adventures bye and they go off and have fun and she's just left there to pick up the pieces and, and then, obviously the way she puts it across is as if her, her daughter's just travelling across the world. Actually, she's on the other t- side of the universe, about five hundred years in the future, or something like that, or yeah. in the past. We don't know, and she doesn't know either.
0: And, and you then think if you, if you really think about it, with Elton, Elton throughout the story is very um, adolescent. He's very young. In how his mindset, he's he's thought of the name for Linda before anyone's even brought it up. He's thought about all these situations. He's having fun. He's also, he's also
1: stuck in his adolescence. Exactly. He's and also stuck only, in his adolescence, and it's throughout
0: the episode. Mm. He comes to terms with his mum's death, and he realizes what he's doing throughout isn't healthy. Like when it, when it yeah. was just him and his friends, but when Victor Kennedy came along, and suddenly he's taken advantage of Jackie. Suddenly, he's using yeah. her to find out more information, and he's treating it like a game, like a secret mission. But it's only when Jackie calls him out on it that he finally snaps, and he finally kind of grows up a bit, and then he st- stands up to Victor Kennedy. Yeah, he finally asks out Ursula. I've just realised
1: that you've got, you've made a weird correlation between, um, like, because I was, about to th- I was just thinking about how, um, yeah, like, like when you see he's adolescent. It's like he's not been allowed to grow up since the night he lost his mum. Mm. But then also, Victor Kennedy comes in and makes it like a school with home, literally with homework, and they're all going, Oh, I don't like homework, and all this Mm. sort of stuff. And then things start to get really serious and really adult really quickly, and he's got to do some growing up quickly. And then he realizes Mm. that you can't just take advantage of it, which is kind of something that teenagers go through. They go through broken hearts and everything like that. This is on more of a larger scale. Yeah, I mean, um, what I enjoyed the most from from it, what I actually really enjoyed was not, not all of that, but actually. There's this one little scene, you know, when they're walking around asking, Oh, do you know this girl?
3: Mm, and stuff yeah. like
1: that. Um, and everyone's just everyone in the in the estate are just giving their opinions on that family and just call them really weird and really <laughs> odd. When Jackie's just trying her best, yeah, in a situation that she hates. And it's just like it, it's so telling, you know what I mean? Of like yeah, I think it, it's I think it's like, cool. you know, it's, it's just I love that sort of world building where you, you you're yeah. seeing like we know their story and we understand their story, but from outsider's perspectives, they're a really weird bunch and yeah. you kind of feel like, no, they're not, no, they're not, but it's just that whole element of the real world. And, you know, well, what think, we um, might think is normal for ourselves isn't necessarily normal for anybody else, think, you know um, what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's perfect world building on behalf of Ashley Davis. And I love, of course, we can do a deep dive into the serious moments and everything, but what I love is also the humour as well. I mean, um, mm. I think it's very outlandish, very bold, very camp, and that's what the show is. Let's face it, we're watching a very, very camp show, and it's all the better for it. But it yeah. manages to weave the humour with the serious objects, and what people don't often realise with the episode is that they work well together, is that people often fixate on one or the other. It's mm-hmm. a very serious episode in times, and it's a very comedic episode at times, because you have their terrible singing. But that's... It all complements the world building. And uh, I get what they were going for with the ending, but even I can't defend the paving slab. Um, <laughs> but apart from that, I mean, it's not a matter of taking it too seriously. It's not a matter yeah. of taking it for a laugh because it is funny and it is serious. You just feel like it, And it manages that balance because... Yeah, and some people will say, it's oh, it's too serious with all of Elton's friends passing... Uh, being killed off one by one, but you know, that's just what it's just you know, it's a sad story, and it's
1: exactly what Elton says at the end. Maybe that's what happens if you touch the doctor just for Salvation a
0: second. And damnation, the same thing. Oh, it also introduced me to Electric Light Orchestra. And if there's anything I love, I love Doctor Who, I love tons of TV, tons of film and media, but there's one thing I love it's Jeff Lynn and the Electric Light Orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm so happy that Russell, because it's it, it, you can see a lot of Russell in it as well. And I love when writers do like, kind of inject themselves into it, because it's it's quintessential Russell. That's probably Russell's most Russell T. Davis episode of Doctor Who, to put it. Um, because even like Electric Light Orchestra means a lot to him. I believe him. Uh, it, it's meant a lot to him throughout his life. He's talked about. Yeah, it and he used it, and I mean, even the absorbable is based off Ian Levine, <laughs> which, yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, going back to um Odinoligos, um, mm-hmm. of course we've we've talked about you getting into it. Um, what's uh, in the future for Odinoligos? Because of course we've talked about the DW twenty twelve divide now. Uh, but what's, what, what? can you tell everyone that's kind of coming up for Because you've recently released Dark Universe as well, which is the first of yeah. Uh, uh is it a trilogy in the first set?
1: Uh, no, it's still four episodes. It's four it's only episodes. two volumes of four
0: there. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, no worries. Um, so so uh, as I was saying, uh, what um, what can you tell us about the future of All-Years? Because of course we've um we've gone over the DW2012 um split, which I'll cover a bit more in a second. But what can you tell us? And can you tell us a bit more about uh, *Dark Universe*? Because that's obviously your most uh, mm-hmm. recent release, uh, *Dark Universe One*. Yeah. Um, what What's the future fives and all that you can obviously spell?
1: Okay, no, I'll start with Dark Universe then. Um, Dark Universe was initially actually meant to be a special fifth volume of Uncharted Past. Because um, we initially saw Dan's era as two halves. But I said to him, I really, because we, we'd done like a little volume called The Federation War. And in one of those episodes, it's the Irish doctor by himself mourning the loss of his companion and son. Um, and I listened to that again and I thought, imagine a volume where every, like there's a, the doctor at his potential lowest, you know? Yeah and we were talking about it and then Dan said, well no Uncharted past is the, the chase family and Fractured Timeline is the Maggie May story. So there has to be a middle one. And then we thought, well, okay, we'll make it a trilogy, but it's not a long trilogy. It's not the same length as Uncharted past and um, Fractured Timeline either. It's somewhere in the middle where basically it will have roughly almost the same amount of episodes as Fractured Timeline. Mm.
3: Um,
1: And basically, um it's only a two-part volume uh two volumes of four episodes and it's basically a different companion each episode um where the doctor's trying to navigate who he is now and who he's become and it's realistically kind of like what you might call the road to fractured timeline mm. Because when you get there, he's like he's already got his regeneration error by this stage. We start the episode off with him dreaming about meeting the Oracle in the prequel episode. So this takes place between the series one prequel and the series one episode one. Yeah, yeah, and, um, yeah. It, it's just him having his regeneration error. He's te- technically mortal um, whilst he's grieving and suffering. Mm-hmm. And we've got, obviously, we've got the villain called Brax Chen, who uh, has the ability to change reality rather than time or timelines. The example of that would be if I, if I decided he could change, like, he could change reality to say I wore a red T-shirt instead of this blue one. Yeah. But it wouldn't change the event that happened, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. He'd still be talking
1: to... about the same stuff because we're not focused on the color of the t-shirt. Oh my those God, are
0: you wearing of... a red t-shirt right
1: now? <laughs> oh. <laughs> but like this thing, it would be something like that. He'd change small details, but as a result, it would mean that other things, could be, like, options would be open for him. Like giving someone a pen instead of a pencil would mean that therefore a contract that's signed would be permanent mm. rather than. In a pencil could be rubbed out with a rubber. You know what I mean? Like oh, nice. it's, it's that sort of thing. Very, very subtle things. um And there's going to be fallout from the first volume that leaks into the second and final volume, and then that might be it for Dan, mm. because yeah. by the time it comes out, I think at least some of the second series will have come out. And we were very clear about the fact that, um, like, we wanted all of all of the Irish Doctor audio stuff to be out before his final episode because he's very keen on once he's done he's done yeah uh, it's-, well, it's kind of sad it's kind of sad because um there was I'll, I'll say this and I won't say who it is or anything but they recently filmed the post regeneration scene for the person who's after dan mm. and it was everyone got a bit tearful but i saw photos of the person in dan's costume uh on the tardis set and you're just like, you're just like, wow. Man, that's like yeah, five. Yeah. Because it's taken him 10 years, really. He started it in 2013. Then yeah. there were little breaks in between before his series properly started filming in 2017. I'm gonna have... timeline basically acts as the timeline of Dan and Anya's relationship, now marriage. You know, it, it develops more and more. And you know, you never, I mean, that's, I mean, the way it would end, I imagine, would be like, because. I mean, how much it would be complete poetry, wouldn't it, if uh, the series ended and then as soon as as they were coming up to the ending of filming, Arnie was suddenly pregnant. You know, what I mean, It'd be like, yeah. then then that is like a true timeline of they'd only been together a year, it's halfway crazy, between series one and two, they got you know the gap between series one and two, they got married, and by the end of series two, their family started. You know, what I mean, that would be lovely, that but be no very no very pressure way. to them. No <laughs> pressure. <laughs> but um, but no, in terms of the future of Overton Audios, we we had to. That's why, before you know Luke and Meg announced it on Twitter, I had to sort of figure out what we were doing because of the continuity element. But mm. like the fact that I've done stories where Luke is in my stories and he considered the translating time episode that we released canon, but it's made by me and mm. there are references to my era in it with certain with, because the Daleks are, they reference my era, yeah. So it's like, okay, um, <laughs> how does this work? But they consider it canon so therefore i do it you know what i mean it's, it's a silly thing i know that like, i know that like, obviously we well, always
0: it's have completely to... understandable because it, it mm. i think the thing is if you're creating something if you're creating a serious or redoing a serious in this case mm. and then you suddenly start changing things that are going to affect other people's work you should think about the responsibility you have with great power against great responsibility in other words <laughs> yeah know, you, you have the power to change things but you should really ask who else will I impact by doing this? Um, um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's just Luke
1: calls Luke on that. Well, we call it the cursed live stream, I think. But on that live stream, Luke and Meg were quite understanding of the scenario. And they said that essentially everything I've done from everything, like any other DW2012 doctors that appear, um, they're still canon to me. Yeah. It's weird, it's weird because when you describe it, it sounds like Luke left. Yeah. (laughs) That's what's funny because he's going to do his own thing. Meanwhile, I'm going to stay to the continuity that I have. He's going to, you know, it's like he's gone off to do his own thing. And as a result of this split as well, he's gone, we've gone from DW2012 having seven doctors to now having three and Mm. only two of them are active. Mm-hmm. It's like that's, that's a massive, up huge our, shift. The blonde. Uh, well, the three, uh, the three blonde would, blonde. the three that are left would be Luke, Dom, and Dan.
0: Oh yeah, Luke, Dom, and Dan. Because but course,
1: Dan's obviously in his own bubble anyway. I don't know what they're thing. planning for the blonde doctor
0: if they're recasting for that. But
1: oh, um, there is a plan. There is a plan, but it's gone horribly wrong as of today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got so, a little. Uh, yeah, there are uh, the, 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 the things always going wrong, but. Um, no it was um what what happened was there was still this discussion about ownership, and George had actually left in January or february oh, yeah,
0: that was, um, that was very.
1: He left, he left a long time ago, but we were still making stuff with him and yeah. we, and like we we like overton audios are still wanting to i said that like i'm not over to an ears, but you know like we we've discussed this because obviously you yourself and jed put out that tweet that you're working on blonde doctor stuff
0: that was when the and, live stream happened because that yeah and then,
1: then but then of course george and i also want to do some blonde doctor stuff and we've come up with something which is leading into what mm-hmm. is what I'm, what I'm kind of doing like i'm i'm without realizing it i've realized i'm kind of doing a weird time lord victorious kind of thing but it's yeah. basically the Torchwood Rebirth volume that we made actually has set up this divide really, really well, because mm-hmm. <laughs> we had, it's called the, I'm calling, I'm nicknaming it at the moment, like the Nexus Saga, and it's not going to be horribly long. It's just going to be a few key stories about certain elements throughout this this universe that explain a few things, like how there's a Nexus point in Rebirth. Um, I'm going to explain like how Torchwood has now evolved as well. We're gonna it's no longer called Tortured Rebirth, uh, because Luca came up with the title Rebirth. So we didn't want damn, to bother damn. him. Um, and we wanted to push forward, so we're just calling it Tortured Nexus. And we're doing a couple of stories with Blonde, which will explain how both of the versions that we're all gonna do are different. Okay.
0: Um yeah, and, and it, was, it was really free to blonde up to stuff um, Well, working with people. Because I, I, in the Endgame saga, I ended up working with pretty much everyone involved behind the scenes, pretty much, yeah. the end of the day. And that was when I kind of, it was when Luke messaged me at 4 a.m. asking me not to use the characters, even some of the ones that he was recording. Yeah,
1: I, I, that, still doesn't, that still doesn't sit well with me that he contacted you at 4 I mean, a.m. Before- it was uh, evident
0: he hadn't even watched them. Hadn't even watched Endgame Part One because he asked it, it's, funny,
1: it's funny, it's funny because he was telling you these things.
0: Um I mean he asked. And yeah recorded. Funny. Him, and he's recorded all of his life. Yeah,
1: that, that's yeah. exactly what I was gonna say. Like he, he was saying, Oh, you don't have the right. It's like, Luke, you were there. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you know, going on. That's the
0: thing, when the live stream happened and he began vilifying me, it was very I didn't I didn't really point it out
1: but it's, it's really it's really sad that it
0: was really demoralizing and I suddenly started to feel
1: really down yeah. um well, and it like, was a case of it was a case of it, it was he it was gaslighting you and George in that live stream
0: you know he, he made me and... feel very kind of, it wasn't really the process was so but I was very sad about what I do in terms of the angel cycle and I even put out a few tweets a few weeks ago now, because I was, I, I'd just gone skydiving a few days before and I was having a crash, basically, pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know, no dive, pun entirely intended. But um, it, it was kind of like, Anne and I started to think about the endgame saga and realized hang on, all I can think about here is the drama related to the endgame saga all I think about. I mean, my, I,
1: mean, I mean, we, we spoke about it very briefly in my view, and it was, they recorded it. You should continue to use it. They exactly. didn't, there was no payment involved, no contract signed. I exactly. mean,
0: exactly. I mean, but um, you know, I, I started putting out an announcement, stuff like that, like, oh, there's been some creative differences and such. And it was fairly obvious. I was talking about what happened to Luke and Meg the live stream as well. Like. And then I deleted those tweets soon after, cause I felt like it was a bit too soon. Um, mm. But you know, it suddenly became. That's kind of why I ended up taking my a ma- uh, break on Twitter and off social media for a bit and from writing, because I realised, hang on, the negatives are starting to outweigh the positives when yeah, yeah. working yeah. on this. So it, it, I took well, a break. We've, break we've
1: had. Well, I would like to say we've had a, a quiet couple of weeks. It's just that it's moved on to somebody else instead yeah. of Luke, basically. But um, I'm, I'm no, I mean better Luke, now, Luke's I taken bet. a break as well. He's taken a break as so well. He 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 decided to release Vengeance of the Bloodline in the end after, you know, annoying everyone by cancelling it. Um and then he's put, he, he's released it. Um Dom's got new content finally, and um now he's trying to finish off future episodes, but at his own pace, and that's for sure. Whatever. Yeah, I would say Dom at is at this stage. The best team the best way to describe What's happened with Overton Audio's? And I, I I've just found the message because um, uh, you're familiar with Michael Cox. Yes, voices yes, the first right. Doctor and uh, does yeah. and also voices the War Doctor in some cases as well. Yeah. Um, he, he very much is. He, he the comments that he writes in my audios are so well written and they're lovely and he's such a great supporter of what I'm doing and he. Like, he, he, he messaged me privately over Facebook and just asked if because he'd listened to the podcast, the Overton Audios podcast, or I'd explained this all. And I realised I'd actually said in a one-liner, explained exactly how continuity works. I've been kind of explaining it really convolutedly. But the best way to say it would be with the continuity for Overton Audios is, imagine DW 2012, the universe as a whole, but there are Overton versions of it. <laughs> That's it. Sort of like what we're doing with Blonde. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, different I, don't, versions of that, right?
0: I don't want to talk too much about within Bomb because obviously there's no no of course, of
1: course of course of course
0: really. that is going to be revealed in time, of course, but for now yeah. it's very kind of uh I'm planning on doing a video with some of the group that are managing it, but at the moment that's all very kind of in the works. Oh, and, think, yeah. Uh but yeah, I think um that the live streaming the
1: future's looking bright though.
0: It is looking bright. And um I think to sum up all of this in one in one kind of sentence um, when creative freedom is overshadowed by creative dictatorship it doesn't become fun anymore it doesn't no. become fun for anyone the voice actors and when voice actors want to do something else with their character because it's just as much their character as it's the one at the top of the pyramid in this fan universe kind of scheme <laughs> yeah. in a way uh universally connecting it to a pyramid scheme because once it becomes once it becomes Fan dictatorship over creative control for everyone involved. That's when it kind of becomes a pyramid scheme because you've gotten yourself yeah. to something that it's kind of difficult to come out of, especially if there's like a ton of continuity and you have to find new ways. But you know, it, fan creative freedom is such a—it's the backbone of this community. It's the backbone of Dot Two itself officially. That once you suddenly start dictating everything. A doctor Who is a limitless show if you're dictating mm-hmm. a limitless show to the point in which nobody can do anything with it n- no voice actors can take their characters yeah. what they want
1: to do I mean, show, when it to shows action. always been riddled with continuity problems exactly. like I'm, I mean obviously if you're watching things concurrently because in some cases there are going to be doctors happening at the same time that are thousands of years apart it's more obvious to notice those things but with for example um, i still i I still find myself referencing a lot of what nathan did like we've we've got like um like i i I constantly and i obviously ask him about this before i do it but um i always i always love using carpathia for example yeah because it's a planet about to explode it's like that's the perfect countdown so there's Mm -hmm. an episode we got for mastermind 2 that's coming out in the new year where there's where the master's trying to get something off the planet, but he's got a limited time window to do it, and everyone's freaking out and running. Um, Yeah. Did you ever watch, I don't know if you did, there was a a series that only ran for one season in 2011 (laughs) on BBC One, and it was called Outcasts.
0: No, I haven't seen it.
1: It's like mine and Nathan's favourite series, and it was on the planet. it, It sounds really generic. It's basically people who've left Earth because Earth was getting uninhabitable, and they went to a new planet and named it, carpathia so you can tell that me and nathan really enjoyed it um it <laughs> and it was it was basically about the politics of starting a new society yeah. and then you had beings you had like a kind of beings they're not really people who pre-existed on that planet and were like you're, you're actually invading mm-hmm. and it was a really interesting concept um but it only got one season it just wasn't really well liked and yeah. it's something that i've thought about adapting for something within the doctor who universe where i don't know like daleks invade one planet and you just see the survivors travel to another world and try and rebuild with the fear yeah. that the daleks are going to come after them or something mm. like that i mean but then again that, i mean that might not come out for another four or five years i've got stuff planned weekly until 2025.
0: <laughs> jesus christ mm. i, mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, i've got some backlog but to have that backlog uh good luck
1: <laughs> well, Jake, well, but... well that's the thing that's that's the thing that's been really lovely too through making these audios is meeting people and actually engaging in the community mm. as and... a result when i made my first podcast i just said if you want to write something for me just tell me I'm, I've, I've got such a huge list of stuff to do collaborating yeah. with i'm very much I'm the same i mean
0: meeting mm. new people
1: uh going to all these bfi events
0: which i probably wouldn't have done It wasn't for going on twitter i mean twitter has its bad moments but you know overall it's connected me with all these new people all these voice actors you i mean everyone every single person i've worked with that you know didn't end up like my collaboration with certain people but uh you know like you know people that end up being (laughs) but with the nice people the good people that i've met it is i wouldn't trade it for the world i mean being Raston Productions has given me so much joy, so much happiness, yeah. and I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, I was on a comic compound. I never envisioned that when I was a kid, looking at fan content on YouTube, even though I was very much told not to go on YouTube because of that was the time of paranoia and everything. But I'd sneak on it anyways, and I'd watch... Oh, like-
1: I, Honestly, when I started my... I, I started a YouTube channel in May, mm-hmm. and I was like 12 at the time. I mean, that goes to that I'm a proper veteran of YouTube, 12 years old and I'm like going on 30 in a couple of years. And my mum my didn't want me showing my face online, but we wanted to make YouTube videos. So I just wore, I wore a Darth Vader mask. Um, like, you know, one of those ones that was the yeah, voice of yeah. the life support panel, you could press the button and activate the voice and everything. I just wore one of those and just talked. And then eventually mm. my mum just stopped caring. So I just took it off and I was like, hello. And Doctor Who fan films came not not too long after. Mm. I think I've still got I've still got the majority of the fan films I made. And I, to be honest, I reuse those ideas for some of the audios I make.
3: Yeah. Like
1: the I've got like I'm planning new companions for I mean, my, yeah. my for the next stage of my my Doctor's era, and they pe- and they used to be played by my dad and my sister. I back mean,
0: in the, I, the idea of dark days very much comes from my childhood ideas. It, the idea behind it very mm. much came from me as a kid um, coming up with these outlandish completely bonkers ideas and writing down like all like a list of all these doctors and i'd include like the ganger doctor um, uh megloss doctor and all that because i hadn't actually watched Megalos at the time um and like when i eventually started dark days i now have like a fifth doctor and ganger 11th doctor story because that was where it came from all of all of these kind of because i dark days is kind of my idea of kind of limitless like it's playing around with the toy box in such bonkers and like pitting like the eleventh. That's dog.
1: what I loved about the end of part one, by the way, when you were talking about the wave that was going through um, through the mul- the multiverse. Yeah, and then you just spoke to the audience at the yeah, end. yeah of the yeah. Room. I played myself. About it. I, I like I like that meta stuff showing that because every possibility is possible. It means that I've, we're involved too.
0: I will say now and that it, um,
1: it, was, it was a it was an awesome. Creepy moment. I'm just sat there going,
0: Oh,
1: mm. <laughs> <laughs> with, um, because with it's like a really, the... really good use of breaking the fourth wall there. With what
0: I'm uh writing now, it gets very, very, very massive very quickly.
1: I mean, <laughs> is it, it going to be you meeting your your doctor? <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like I that,
0: could do that. But um, I, I have like yeah. one coming up with like the architect meeting the purple doctor. I, I do oh, like, cool. I do like, um, and it's called Mirror Image. I do quite like pitting, um. Because uh, Jed actually um, came to me with uh, that blonde doctor story, which had him like meeting every other fan doctor he's done. Like there were like <laughs> yeah. George's. The, what was it? Uh, what do we
1: call it? The George verse. Was it yeah. the George yeah.
0: verse? The Guydea verse has a range. The verse. verse. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's it's stuff like that, um, and it does break the fourth wall up because um, a huge part of where his reality is broken, the fourth wall has completely shattered. It's it's broken down and there are lines like
1: the other. I like those ideas though because it gives you more exploration with things, doesn't it? Mm. Because the you're like I like again. I still loved the way that because I was listening to part one thinking, oh that's cool. I wonder how they're going to get rid of that. And then I mean you just went hello, audience member. And I was like, duh. <laughs> I was like, hang on. But it, it was great because it you're now much more invested in it because mm. you're now part of the story. Even though you know it's not, you know. Yeah, yeah necessarily actually happening you're like what's gonna to happen to me in this story <laughs> like i, I exist in the story that was so the I'm main
0: not... thing about the celebration uh because it, it's a celebration of fan culture fan films fan audios um fan productivity yeah. and to actually include the fans in it like directly like point out you're a part of this story you're it's your job to piece together the broken narrative mm-hmm. to get the correct ending of course there will be only one ending, but kind of implicate that you're involved. Your listening is important. It's important to the narrative itself. Yeah. It was key, and you know, breaking the fourth wall to that degree kind of embraces that kind of it embraces the fans in this reality. I mean, mm-hmm. I, there are there was a moment I had to cut because um, I I always run past all my ideas past the people involved. And if they do, and if I accidentally forget to, they always point out in scripts. There was one yeah. idea because um Dom is doing his architect series, so it kind of conflicted oh, yeah. ideas that he'd come up with like a more serious tone, where um in Endgame, I was going to have the architect acknowledge that he was being voice acted by a voice actor. Um, and he was going oh, yeah. to have he was gonna have a conversation with himself through the character who knows he's being voice acted.
1: So very did pull there
0: yeah that was kind of that's kind of the vibe with what i was going for but then it kind of it was it didn't fit with dom's overall plan with the architects and i completely respect that i think that's the thing with fan collaborations and fan universes is is that you have to respect everyone's um idea of what their character is and what they want to do with it just Mm. as even if you even if you're the first one to write for that character You've still got those actors injecting themselves into that character and still owning that. But character it's also
1: quite—it's also quite nice and liberating as well as sometimes to have other people write your character and yeah. you, even though it might not be entirely correct, like like even though it might not be entirely what you visioned, it's interesting to see what people think of the character.
2: Exactly.
3: Like,
1: um, like for example, I've got I've got James James is writing um a Torched episode where Cravat cameo is in it. I've got um I got. And, I got... What, what he's written is something I never thought Cravat would do, but it's got the right like, silliness that Cravat would yeah. do it. But, like, Prevatt,
0: about, James has but also, about
1: it thing. also gave me some ideas because Cravat's always been very, um. he's quite, somebody described him as a mixture of the first doctor and the sixth doctor. Like it's very prim and proper going, hmm, yes, well, anyway, yes. Um, but hmm. James has written him at a garden center, picking up shovels and compost and everything, and we're <laughs> wondering what he's going to do. And then he runs off in the TARDIS and comes back covered in dirt and he goes, anyway, that's done with. <laughs> and then, um, and then it was the idea that he was fighting a cryoid, a crymoid a or something like that. A monster. But then there's some, but then Eamon, cause he, have you seen any of Eamon's drawings before?
0: I think so, but I can't he, recall. He again. drew
1: me in a flower mech. So, mm. and it's like yeah. me, like put it's me like, like, Sort of like this cravat, like Pacific Rim style, pulling all these like grass vines. And it's just like vines moving. And it's like a big sunflower's head mm. going like that, and running and doing the punch and everything. And I'm just like, I never thought cravat would do that. But also, it's kind of bonkers enough for Doctor Who that it kind yeah. of works the idea that because I never, I always want my Doctor to be kind of serious, but. This is him yeah. traveling by himself without a companion, so he'd probably be less like, inclined less, to think. Yeah, you know, what I mean, he's not got something ground.
0: That's the main thing I'm doing with the Techno Doctor. Is while I'm writing most of the film, I'm I've got Jed and George helping me with it because I'm going through a creative mm. run out at the moment. But um, with like the the Techno Doctor and my fan film Doctor, I've got many other people writing for him because while while the Techno Doctor plays on a lot of what I've been through, it, it, it a lot of. His arc is based on the time in which I came up with his doctor, which was this year, which has been yeah. a life-changing year for me. And it's... um, But getting other people to kind of inject themselves into the character as well, to inject their personalities and to inject their struggles, because every creative injects mm-hmm. their life stories into their work. That's just a fact, even if you don't know that you're doing it. To get other perspectives on the character and what they go through and what their arc is, can give them more dimensions, more, m- more to them than just we yeah. give them. I think that's the beauty of fan creativity and creative independence mm. and, um, working with other people and allowing that to happen. If you don't allow that to happen, the world becomes a much, much darker place. Yeah. That's my view at least. And that's
1: oh, percent.
0: Yeah, mainly yeah. my problems with Luke and Natlock started and then it was just a rabbit hole from there but um and yeah that's that's that situation but the future is looking bright future for overton oh yeah yeah
1: Um, i think i think in terms of what the last i think that maybe it might be a mixture of i don't it's not in six months it can't have been maybe (laughs) the last four months three Hmm. to four months have just been kind of on and off drama for all of us yeah but i feel like we're past that era now because we all we all knew what we wanted to to get out of said drama, but yeah. um, ultimately we've got that to an extent, or had to make a compromise. But ultimately, everyone because it wasn't that we all had issues specifically; it was us standing up for friends who had exactly. those issues. Yeah. That and what, ultimately we didn't want to back down for our friends. We wanted to exactly. be there for them. And, and it, it
0: was it was a situation where you had to be kind of careful while it was happening. You had to be kind of because one wrong word, wrong one, one wrong moment. Could spiral, but now that we've well, we yeah. passed it, it's died down. Now, I mean, all of us have moved on. We're all, we're all doing our own thing. It doesn't it doesn't matter what they think. It, it just matters that they continue with well, their stuff. And we say, I've got up. to that
1: point now, and I, I I never want to come across as dismissive, but I've got to that point now where I cannot also. I just can't be bothered. Yeah. Like I'm just like, if if I, they start an argument with me, I'm like, no.
0: I, I was, I was talking to, it, like I said earlier, it was just depressing and shit out of me. It was just completely like getting me down about it There are some people me.
1: like, and, and, and like you'll know who I mean, Yeah. but there are, there are some people who you try and reason with and you can't, and they say that they'll change and they don't, and they do it all over That's again. Exactly and you're left like, it. you're just left like, okay. And then it's, sometimes it's just, you, you want to stand up for people and you should stand up for people. All you're going to do then is just get about 50 Twitter messages from this one person or yeah. two people, you know, however many people there are in this group, because like, other people will jump in on the tweets. It's always Twitter. and, and then, But then you end up spending like six hours sorting something out. That's what it was like for myself and Luke when we were arguing, which is why ultimately, despite our differences, it's better that I have left. Is because we would spend weekends arguing. I would dedicate time to going, I want to work on something I want to do. And And then I'd find myself arguing with him for six hours. And ultimately nothing changed. He's like, you know, the same, the feelings were still there from what we were arguing about, but instead we'd, we talked about it and made ourselves more angry. And that was it. I
0: Um, mean, if, if like either Luke or Megan are watching this, and I'm sure perhaps if you've had the curiosity to do so, I mean, I've blocked you on Twitter anyways, so you can't exactly message me anymore, which thank (laughs) God, because I do not want another few paragraphs. I do not hate your work. I do not hate the episodes you've produced. I only pointed out all this. I only defended my friends and defended my content as well because out of respect for the craft, respect for fan filmmakers and humans, because it's not just about fan films or audios or characters or rights, as you put it, it's about human beings who just want to have fun, who just want to be happy, especially when a lot of us are going through shit. A lot of us are going through real life. Mm. But, I mean, speaking of my experience, everything you said on that live stream. Of course, you've apologized for it. I didn't accept your apology because, honestly, I just knew accepting it would give more. That
1: that moment in that live stream. I mean, when or like that. that because... Without again, I don't want to extend it anymore. But just for those who maybe be interested. or will miss the live stream or watch the live stream and saw what unfolded. That was a rare moment because mm. they don't. There's a reason they don't do social media that often, um, or Luke doesn't. And the reason why is because of what you saw on that live stream where he basically just lost it.
0: He vilified
1: me and. But it went insane. He it went, went absolutely. He, he, he started shouting at me. He, started... he, even he was screaming me. at the top of his lungs at you and he even swearing said it at one you point. At you. And I
0: quote, um, nobody enjoys working with me. That was his quote from him. That's not me mm. getting anything into that. And I don't know how true that is. Of course I know from perspective of,
1: I enjoy, work- I mean, I enjoy working I- with him. Admittedly, I think, I think we're yet to create something together, but we talked about something for That's just of-
0: his perspective on it really. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, it's just like, he kind of takes every bit of constructive criticism, every. Critique at his morals towards how he's acted towards people as, Hey, yeah. I mean, really, it's just respect for other people.
1: I'll be a little bit cheeky. Um, here. Mm-hmm. I'll be a little bit cheeky and say it's kind of rich of him to say nobody enjoys working with you when everyone just left his shared universe in basically one go. Mm. Like it had been a long time coming and a lot of discussions being had, and ultimately,
0: like the one thing I, I didn't,
1: know, I didn't, I didn't make the plan to leave when I did. It was on the I because I, yeah. I was kind of holding it off because I was there just, I was there for everyone else. I wanted to be, it wasn't, I'm not there for Luke, I'm there for everybody else. But as soon as that, those comments started to be made, it just was too far.
0: And also one last comment on this, because this is something that genuinely makes me angry and it's not oh, about, yeah. it's not necessarily about Luke, but it's the fact that in the live chat, while that was going on, while he was vilifying me, you all followed along, and you started pointing out my mental health. You started pointing out mm-hmm. mental health issues and reasons why. Oh, even like the people defending me, well, like leave him alone. You saying that in the comments? Yeah,
3: comments,
0: they were like saying that in the comments. They don't know me. None of them knew me, and they were talking. None of them known what I've been through this year. I mean, i I and they were talking about me like they knew me. Like they knew what I had been through, like they knew what my mental health issues were, which, you know,
1: you can you can, you can be. I don't I don't think you should ever publicly assume, but I think what you can do is be mindful of it. Yeah. Like you know, like that, that that's that's not something like necessarily.
3: I've
1: been mindful of like I know if I'm aware of people's situations in the background, I know that you know I've been mindful of it. I don't go. don't try and psychoanalyse someone into thinking and explaining away a behavior that is actually actually people using it against
0: me and there was um another fan creator that came involved who i was um in drama with who we were all in drama with actually who started talking about drama between me and him like it was related and then uh, there's a lot of that going on twitter uh of me i mean i mean
1: a lot of people have tried using the experiences that you've had recently as an excuse for why you're trying to speak up in people's favor, which is just wrong. Yeah, I mean, I when we that. had that, we, we we had another drama call with somebody who, yeah. which I think was one of the trials as we nicknamed them sometimes. Yeah, and, and there were um, and other people in chat. They made all these assumptions about you.
0: Yeah. And there were, there were other people in chat that just instantly jumped to Luke and Megan, which of course, you know, you don't know that's the biggest
1: the problem team. because they only portray what they portray online. Exactly, and, 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 that's, and that's why it was so important on that live stream when he lost it. That is who he is.
0: Mm, that's how he acts towards
1: you. That's how he acted. That's how he's acted towards George to myself. Um, I, don't, I can't speak for anybody else. I, I assume up, it's but... a universal thing, um, but he. But why? Say... he lost it with me when he lost it with me. I heard I I heard what he was saying about me, like verbally from other people, and it was just vicious. Um uh, like, cause, like, he, his, he, at one point um he made a comment that he doesn't know how my my own parents can stand me. That's and, right. and that stuff. And that's when that's like when really things started to go wrong, and he apologised for it. I messaged him and said, I know what you said. <laughs> I know what you did last summer. No, but like, I, I, know, I know what you said. Um, and that's not on. And he got annoyed that people had told me. Mm. And I'm like, oh, sorry, but that's not on your People you're have told thing.
0: me about he's, comments they've made about me. Yeah. I mean, he's, um, he's,
1: he's older than me. He's yeah. older than me.
0: People have told me about comments both of them have made about me. I mean, um, God knows that they've, they've tried to um, put me down in mobile ways while they were apologizing to me. <laughs> but, uh, I, I want to say what they've said because of course I, I don't want to get anyone who shared it with me. It wasn't, it wasn't something
1: stupid like, I'm sorry that this happened because of you, or yeah. <laughs> something like that.
0: <laughs> and, they, and they ignored every point I was making, they fixated on one point I was making and went with that. Well it
1: that's because that's all they heard, yeah, that's all they that, heard. That. They heard. And, yeah, I mean. But, um, yeah, I mean, but I mean but other than that, um, it's all, it is over and i I do i do look back on it and just laugh because after it was all over i was just like great done let's move on and then they were there i mean they were there just freaking out for three days weren't they because because
0: yeah yeah, i was was just saying i won't accept your apology just yet let's just pause this and Mm -hmm. wait until after the wedding because that's the main thing
1: well, if that's that's what we all want to, to do. And Luke and, and Meg an we're, were at Dan and Anya's wedding, and uh, and we were all very civil. Um, you know, we we didn't we no arguments had at all. Yeah. You know, I got like we we involved each other in conversations, and ultimately, that was it. The moment the, we, the moment the wedding is over, I don't know if I'll ever see them again. Um, if I do see them again, I'll continue to be pleasant with them. I'm, yeah, you know on. what I mean. I'm not, I'm not. I don't want arguments anymore. I just want to move on. All of these um,
0: arguments at the end of the day. But ultimately, the
1: person, the, pe- the two people who really mattered in the situation were Dan and Arnie. Their wedding was coming up, and exactly, and we the- we're going to see them,
0: you know. <laughs> we don't and know, we don't you know, I, I they didn't, and um they just wanted me to apologise. They didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to continue the conversation. They didn't want me to actually explain they, why. They played as
1: victims instead.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what will happen. And you know, it, it's it. They they said. And I quote during the live stream, this will be the last comment I say about it. But they said, uh, we thought you were a decent guy. But well, if a decent guy is being ignorant, being silent when other people are going through mm. shit that you're throwing at them. The problem is I don't is want to be a decent guy a decent in that situation. Guy,
1: they're thinking you they, their thought of you being a decent guy is saying what they think that you that they that you think they, that, you're then thinking. <laughs> what a decent guy you are is based on what you say. And because when you're, te- you're saying things that they, they don't like, they're just going, that's not very decent. Well, in actual fact, you're just standing up for people. Yeah. You're standing up for fan creators being creative.
0: And you know, um, you know, Luke and his attitude reminds me of me when I was 16, me when I was 17 to early 18. I wasn't like, I, I was hanging around with very, uh, like just not nice individuals. I was constantly like how he acts, not in like an extreme way, like he does, but like as a small time, ignorant teenager, you know, doesn't know what he's doing with what he has. And then, so, and he's had 10 years, 10 years in the business, and he's still acting like it towards people. And you're right, because expecting them to change automatically just doesn't end up. Oh I can just,
1: understand if he's got plans, or I can understand that if he's got plans for his for his doctrine, that story, and if continuity messes with it. Um, Which, you know, it's the same thing that we talked about earlier as an example when talking about shared universes, you should have a discussion. But it's no, it's never a discussion. It's a case mm. of you can't do that, I'm doing this. Or if it's, you know, don't mind if it's an episode that's already out going. you can't do that because of this. But it's like one of those key things that we've had recently where one of the reasons why, for example, Luke wanted to cancel Rebirth was because he's doing the remasters. And because of that he wants the freedom to be able to change continuity at will but in that case why doesn't he tell Dan to stop making a fractured timeline because one of the things is is that there's that Dalek invasion of London and multiple capital cities in his second series originally which Mm. is where Maggie May's story truly begins because her brother dies at that but Mm. now he's changed continuity that the, the Daleks never went to London and Dan's like you better put a line in that episode saying there in london as well he's moved it from london to birmingham now. yeah so it doesn't make sense so that's the problem is that the, the you know, people are messaging me asking me if i'm if dan's canon anymore people can be messaging luke and dan going what's going on
0: mm. yeah i think i'm there's a massive problems some human more some more fan film related it just ends up in a bundle at the end of the day and
1: yeah
3: I, But and
0: yeah. thinking about it properly i mean we just it's all about matter just moving on now. Well, how
1: about, end, how about I end it? How about end this on a subject that's similar, sure, but it's funny?
0: Sure, story,
1: <laughs> funny story. So, um, myself and an old friend of mine, when we were making fan films in 2007 to 2009, mm. um, we I was making Doctor Who fan films back then, and I was the 11th Doctor <laughs> that's how long ago it was. I just wear my school blazer, I had one of my white school shirts, that didn't quite fit me anymore, but I drew and colored in question marks on the collars mm-hmm. and I'd wear like a little tie as well so it would kind of be a nice mixture of it so it'd be like i had a suit to yeah. try and match tenant a little bit but still having my own little flair to it
3: mm-hmm.
1: um i was the 11th doctor and my other friend ollie he was the 12th doctor <laughs> was it the 12th doctor or somebody else was the 12th doctor but he was then going to be the 13th point fifth doctor <laughs> because he would be the one who breaks the regeneration cycle stuff Um, but what was funny was we were always in contact about it but he didn't want to start until I'd gone Mm. unlike what was going on with uh, DW2012 where it's all concurrent. Little Red could be happening here, Irish Mm. there and Cravat there all at the same time. It was very much a waiting game. People were waiting for their chance Mm. Um, and it was quite funny because me and him had a massive falling out in 2008 (laughs) but he still carried on calling himself the 13.5th doctor and referencing my stories whilst i was still making and then he kept changing continuity
2: Mm.
1: (laughs) and then he had characters who met me also being it because we had same friends as well despite us falling out and then they'd add a little bit and he'd be like tell them that you prefer this incarnation over him (laughs) <laughs> and it, we, we were kids, we were like 12 or 13. So, you yeah. know, it's not like it's not like the level that we're talking about uh, just now. But it was so they come and go, oh, hello, doctor. What's a what's a good regeneration? I prefer this one over the blonde one. I'm like, mm.
3: yeah. And it
1: was it was just one of those petty things. It's just like I'm I'm maybe giving, telling you this story because it's basically a variant on what we've just been talking about, except that I'm nearly 30.
2: Mm. Yeah. I'm,
1: yeah. I'm not 13. I'm nearly 30. Yeah, I think still <laughs> going on. And it just goes to show how wow. childish the situation is and how why don't we just all work together to make something that is a fan product that we don't own, but are lucky enough to be able to make without necessarily getting any copyright strikes currently. Because we had that mini purge last year. Yeah. That could come back at any point. And to be honest, I like to think, I like to think whether I could be very naive about it. I like to think that maybe the BBC and or the showrunner, consider it promotion, hmm. like because yeah. It's, yeah. You know, the yeah. amount of people making fan content is huge, which mm. means even when the show's not on, you you hear about it.
0: Basically, what they need to do is they need to be more like, say, uh, than the Nintendo. Another example, like Nintendo are very strict when it comes to fan content. Well, Sega, mm. you see billions upon billions of Sonic games out there, Sonic fan games and stuff like that, and Sonic fan art and fan TV shows and audios. Even mm. I think it's the same with Dot Two. That's the same mindset. That's
1: what I, that's sure. what I think a lot of people considered with Russell's uh, Russell T Davies' uh, new uh, uh, announcements for mm. Pope for the 60th and onwards. Some people considered it a lower budget because it wasn't announced officially, and I just thought it's really clever and cheap marketing. Mm. All all he did and shooty Gawa did was post emojis and everyone went insane for six hours. and then and as a result doctor who got trending and then they announced it and that evening they both happened to be in an event in which because it was trending on social media and it happens nowadays social media actually leads the conversation for television mm-hmm. nowadays. So as a result, they led the conversation with that announcement and it mm-hmm. spread. And then within a couple of hours, they were at an event, everyone was just heard on social media, it's going insane. What's going on, it's gone viral. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's perfect because you don't have to, you're not paying for the announcement that the announcement's coming to you. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah that, 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 that's it. The, the, the fans have kept this show alive. Exactly. And it goes, anytime there's an announcement, like, I guarantee it because of all the stuff that's been going on recently, Yesterday, Rose Tyler was trending. The day before that, Gallifrey was trending. The Day before that, Dalek was trending because there was, oh. because of the obviously the B and M toy figures coming out, it went trending again. Like the, the fans keep the show on trend as I mean, a result. I mean, literally, they keep part. it
0: alive during the nineties. They literally mm. had a part in keeping it alive back then.
1: Oh yeah, you got to appreciate the wilderness years. You oh, got yeah. to appreciate Doctor I mean, Who magazine, big big finish starting out, and all the only,
0: the only fan kind of production that we do not appreciate is BBV. That's what I say no BBV, no BBV. All
1: I will say is they recently had to, not recently, it was quite a while ago, actually, I'm saying recently, but it's something I found out relatively recently. They made cassettes of Doctor Who uh, productions that then got a cease and desist from the BBC. Yeah, yeah. They um, And then they- as, as a result of their clause, they had to stop production and make all the scripts public domain. Oh, and that there's, yeah. no, there's no copyright. They're that.
0: doing the same with Faction Paradox actually recently, a subset of Doctor Who, oh. a sub-series. Um, con- they um, were making content, they made content for it, and then they lost the license and continued to make the oh. same content. <laughs> and were told, they have been told multiple times to stop, but they still do it. And mm. they also hired a very, very, you know, uh, I think it was, was it Tony Coburn? I swear. I uh, thought I, that no, was BBV. It was, I thought
1: that was BBV who hired him as Sherlock Holmes.
0: Uh, I think that was Brett Underwood. I think because Brett Underwood they hired as Sherlock Holmes. I have okay, a, it was either him or Tony Coburn. I've lost. They're, they're,
1: they're, they do, you do know that they're the same person.
0: They are. Oh yeah. Sorry, I'm very tired. <laughs> I
1: was going to say, it, it like, like, hang 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 me don't get this confused (laughs)
0: it always confuses me that because
1: whenever I hear the two of them I know they're the same it's really weird because I the names are so
0: different to the point in which I can confuse them for different people sometimes
1: well I used to be I used to be quite good friends with Tony which is really Mm. weird I didn't know I never I never properly met the guy but I spoke to him on YouTube quite a bit and I I appeared in one of his um one of his really old like 2008 fan films because that he wanted all the fans and do you remember that when fans could film their own cameos and appear in the episode as well like reacting to an alien or something like that i I used to do that back in the day as well but then um but then he appeared as a newsreader in one of my uh like as a voiceover in one of my other films and then all the stuff kicked off and i stopped talking to him Mm. i got i got a weird snapchat from him on 2014 in 2014 i was sat next to christopher thompson We were filming today's detectives and and then I just suddenly looked at my phone and I and got uh, a yep. half naked photo. Of him. Jesus! He was in bed. He was. him in bed with yeah. a bit of thigh showing, and it just said "Join me." Quick winky face. <laughs> and I just went. I just laughed, and then showed it to Chris, <laughs> and Chris just started laughing too.
0: I should not It was just alive like alive. wow, what timing! I'm alive. I mean, what? A... I should
1: have. I really wish we had just responded with a photo of me and Chris going, yeah, laughing like, <laughs> like that. would <laughs> um, like, oh my god.
0: Mm. Yeah, um, and uh, kind of to end this episode of talk with on a okay. very light note it's kind of um just talking about the monthly vlogs you do because I only recently
1: came across some, but I I make too much, I make way too much. I don't know how, I mean, I don't, I don't sleep. I mean, I'm doing a monthly podcast, a monthly vlog, and weekly every week of the year audio
0: dramas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, um, I don't know how I... you do it. It's it's admirable. It really is. Well, the
1: monthly vlog has got an ending. Mm. It's just not for another couple of years. (laughs) The idea idea was to do 10 years of monthly vlogs. Mm. Um, Overall, that makes it to like about, you know, roughly roughly around, well, if you look at it, 12 episodes per year, that's Mm. 120 odd. Um, And the idea was to do something like that and to have 10 years of my life fully documented and to see where I was, I started off at potentially the worst point in my life possible. Yeah. So you can only go up and you know, now I'm, and now I'm here. I've got, I was able to get a mortgage. Um, and I'm now finding myself more and more increasingly worried about it as you know, the prices for things get higher, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> yeah. like, that's all part of the journey. It's all good content for the monthly <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then the podcast we just decided to do in the lockdown because i had been thinking about doing something like updates or something. But then, um, then, then we just decided to um, me and Dan decided to do it over lockdown. And now we're on. We're, we're going to be doing number thirty soon. And that well, that will be Daniel's last one as the host as well with me. Mm. And so now that now that he's married, he's sorting himself out. Not that he wasn't sorted out anyway, yeah. but you know, like for marriage. He's trying to get fractured timeline done. He's also he works for me as well. Um, <laughs> for his day to day job as well. There's just so many moving parts, and now he, he's married, he wants to move, and you know, they're gonna get placed together. You know, there's, there's so much going on that he's not got the time really to yeah. dedicate to it. it makes, so yeah. It but, uh, and, and then obviously the audios, um, i am just try and get people to write them as much as I can. <laughs> yeah,
0: then, that's that's the one of the things you just gotta keep doing, is getting new
1: writers. And then on, and then, of course, on top of that, I'm a company director at my job. So, <laughs> you, it's Never so a dull such. moment,
0: eh? Never a dull moment. Uh, I mean, um, I'll be going to... Be <sighs> year, so I'll have to manage that and all stuff, which is why I've kind of started making this content on the side because it's not really mm. It's just a matter of, like, if a call it's then. Is, it, is, it is
1: slightly <laughs> frustrating that you've called it a talk with. Because <laughs> I, made, I made a mini documentary called A Conversation. <laughs> with Phil Manzanera, and I thought to myself, I've been thinking about it for about the past two years. It'd be really cool to do like a series where <laughs> I sit down with that one, and it's called a conversation with, and then you just put the name in, and then you came along with the talk with. I'm like, well, I guess I'm not doing that anymore.
0: <laughs> hey, 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 hey! You should still do it. You should still do it.
1: Yeah, I was, I was trying to find the thing is because the first one was Phil Manzanero, who's like the lead guitarist of Roxy Music in the '70s, and that was just because it was for the council at the time, and I was, and they allowed me to upload my version of it that's why it was like 2015 i did it and i haven't done another one since yeah. i was just trying to find and think of like because I, I want to go and meet the person sit down with them mm. and film it but the problem is of course is that somebody else was interviewing it last time and yeah. i was on the camera and the camera runs out every 14 minutes <laughs> so yeah but nonetheless um it's something i can I mean, do i want to give myself something more to do <laughs>
0: That's the question, really. I mean, and of course, yeah. actually, in some of it, there, you've also made you mentioned one earlier uh, about your uh there's also a film channel that uh, I stumbled across. Yes, the um, another one. Films. So, uh, <laughs> uh,
1: there's another YouTube channel I've got which I've had for longer than Overton Audios, but overton mm. Audios recently has just spiked in subscribers, which has been really lovely. Uh, Red, Red Matter Productions, I've made, um, obviously, I make the Time Traveler audios, but they're based off of and work with the continuity of the visual series I made in 2014, yeah. 2017. Made some short films that kind of black like about Hitmen and stuff like that. And then um, ultimately, I've made a five season series mm. that cost me 15 grand to make. So please watch.
0: Yeah, I'll put the link yeah. to that in the description and we're, any. Other we're videos. hoping
1: at some point. We need to do some reshoots because obviously actors change between series sometimes. Mm-hmm. We're going to do some reshoots with the actors who were the final actors in their final appearance. We're going to hopefully do some reshoots for that and then yeah. re-edit and get it on Amazon Prime.
0: Okay, yeah, because you've
1: sense. got like you've got like an indie film category for mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. So we were hope we've been thinking about it for years, but
0: you should go yeah. for it. It'll be it'll be great. I mean, um, I mean you can even um. I don't know what the uh, thing for Netflix is. I swear you can send in films there as well. It's pretty easy, but I, I'm not. Really...
1: I mean, I've got a story for you about Netflix, but you've already said you want to end it. Go ahead.
0: Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead.
1: Well, I wait. nearly got Time Traveler on Netflix. Oh. Um, there was a guy I knew called Greg. Well, I didn't, i say I knew him beforehand, I didn't, he got in contact with me, he was the associate producer of Stranger Things season one. This was conversations I was having in 2017 with him, and he wanted to become a producer, he wanted to produce things, he, the associate producer does other little jobs here in organising locations, etc, but not the, the full thing. And he wanted to do that, but wanted to do something sci-fi and wanted to base it off of an initial concept because he didn't have any updates himself he just wanted to produce mm. so he came to me and said he really liked the time travel stuff i've made but obviously the youtube stuff won't be enough to convince anyone properly because i've made it for free and it wouldn't have any real worth mm. so we sat down and over the course of about four months organized a version of time traveler which would, would be it was the idea was that it was going to still be set in london and be something like a proper Still trying to keep him because he used Doctor Who as an example, but I, I yeah. know, was never going to be the biggest Doctor Who. It was just going to be a proper British sci-fi, mm. and yeah. it was going to be a limited. The plan was for it to be a limited series anyway, because the story of time of someone comes back in time to stop a tyrannical government it's nothing new. Mm. But that's the reason why we had to discuss it and everything. And I was I was in line to hopefully be a consulting producer, so I would get a Netflix credit, which would have be been lovely. Um, the only problem that came up was when it came to pitching it, everything went well and they actually said yes to it. And then it had to, came to the day that I had to go over there, like along South Bank next to the ITV headquarters, you know, where the BFI is yeah. Yeah, down yeah, the road, yeah. down the road from there is Netflix. And oh, uh, yeah. like where the UK productions basically take place in the UK office. Oh, wow. um, and I went, and I, and I went down there and you was, mm. you have to sign all the contracts and everything. But what had happened was, the legal team had tried to gang up on me. So I didn't, I wasn't, I I, I chose to read the contract, which was lucky, because rather than the original agreement was that they were going to pay me, not, not, I mean, it doesn't sound like that much, but in comparison to a film production, it's not much. But it was a lot still for me, it would have been about 25 grand for the idea to be bought off of me and to remove the episodes off of YouTube, everything. Mm. and they were going to have the concept and they were going to own the footage that i'd shot and everything i'd have to hand over the hard drives. it would have been they were were buying it off of me um the problem is the legal the the legal team then turned around and said um we're not going to pay you a thing and can you just sign over the rights and we'll do what we want when 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 we want and you won't be a producer in there that's Understand. I, mean, I can understand a certain, from a certain thing is, is that it gone so far that it felt so real, but understandably the people, especially the legal team at Netflix were like, this is just a YouTube film. Mm. But they were so harsh about it. <laughs> they were so harsh about it that oh,
0: yeah, yeah, they
1: yeah. even said to me when I said I didn't want to sign, it, they said, you may not get this opportunity again. So I was like, "Oof! All right." <laughs> I, I still said, "I still said no," and I left, and I didn't hear from Greg for a good few months. He went back on as an associate. He missed being associate producer for Stranger Things two, because that was that had come out in October by that point. But um, in October twenty seventeen, he got on board for the third one because that was a couple of years later. Yeah, and uh, I don't, I haven't really heard from him that much recently. But he was very apologetic for what had happened, basically yeah at the moment probably won't be able to work as a producer for quite a while himself because they'd see him as the guy who tried to get a youtube film on the netflix or something which, which isn't really what happened then he wasn't yeah. trying to put upload the youtube episodes onto netflix it was going to be something that was reshot mm-hmm. but it was just mad and that's the closest i've ever got to it mm. and i mean- it would have been cool if it had happened but it was just at the very last minute, the legal team came in and
0: yeah. You know, I mean, if,
1: if nothing's ever official until the legal team have looked at it anyway, so I don't know why I'm surprised.
0: I mean, um, it, it, them saying that oh, you'll never get this opportunity again. I mean, what opportunity? What opportunity for you in that situation if you have no credit? Well, that, that's what I over. thought it was like an opportunity to no, work no. here, an
1: opportunity to be a part of a Netflix production. What does that mean?
0: Makes no sense. No. Sense.
1: No, but that's. I mean, that's that's like that was how long ago now nearly five. it is five years ago now i mean it's mad
0: going on to one more question because one's come to mind because i've asked it quite a lot of the creatives who have come on the show so far is because you have quite a schedule how do you deal with creative burnout when it comes to that because i get burnouts in like specific Sometimes Um... i'll have a burnout editing sometimes i have a burnout writing or Voice acting or anything, I can have a burnout doing it. How do you well, manage yours, like with especially with your schedule?
1: I had a burnout at the end of 2020. Mm. I it didn't, it wasn't even a burnout actually. Well, I didn't plan it to be a burnout, I actually said I was going to take the month off,
3: mm.
1: and I thought that'd be nice. I'm ahead of schedule, and I'm in January, I'll jump back on it again. And I'm just gonna because it's Christmas, we've had a very tough year i'm now living somewhere else i've only just moved in here um i'll just you know take some time to settle and um i did and i had a very calm month and it was nice to kind of relax a bit and everything but then the new year came around and i didn't start and then february carried on and i didn't start and then i didn't really look at any audios again until maybe the end of march near to april and Mm. The problem is, is that the schedule had caught up with me. I was about eight months ahead, and I yeah. disappeared for four months. So everything was suddenly urgent. Um, so I entered a bit of a panic and actually got quite a bit done.
2: Mm.
3: But
1: now I'm less productive on it than I was because of that break. So the last time I was able to work on any audios properly was ironically this this past weekend. But after a four week break because I had other work, because I was up in my job. I travel up and down to different construction sites all over the country. I've been to Cardiff, Coventry, Nottingham. Mm. I think we've got a new one coming up in, Ed, in Edinburgh soon. It's all over the place and um, that travel tires me out. And therefore on the weekend, I'm even more tired with my, back when I started doing this, I was just a site assistant. Now I'm a company director. There's so many more responsibilities there. Mm. Um, and as a result, there's just less time um In the day, so I, I try and make it work, which is why I've been very reliant and grateful for those who have decided that they want to write for me. Because I just, I'm like, please, <laughs> please. Mm. And as a result, when they write stuff, I read through it, I make little tweaks here, but then they go straight off to production after that. And then I typically then monitor the recording process still, and also because people record remotely for me, and then um and then I just edit it, and that's usually it. It's, but how I deal with burnout. Um I just work through it. That's probably not healthy. <laughs> but like you gotta give yourself a break sometimes. Oh, but yeah, yeah. yeah it's just a case of <clears throat> it's just a case of like I I like giving myself deadlines to keep to because it means that it means that I've got something to head towards, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... If
1: I if I if I said I was gonna make an audio volume about Cravat Doctor but didn't give it a date. I'd probably get lazy and go, oh, I'll do that like next week or the week after. And then eventually I'd never finish it.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah.
1: It's probably still probably not healthy to force yourself because then it doesn't feel like fun sometimes.
0: Yeah, probably not. <laughs> you know, yeah. everyone has their process and everyone manages yeah, manage true. it in a way that does make it fun, that does, you know, make them productive yet, you know, actually yeah but make it fun for you and make it happy now i usually end each of these podcasts by handing um there's this golden star well not really gold but this star award that people were handed out um at a film competition at my college mm-hmm. at the end of the year uh i'd usually hand them it because i didn't win one um everyone was oh. one who won one but i stole one off the desk uh, oh <laughs> and i'd usually hand it to people but i've can't find it anywhere. That's what I was looking for earlier. but I can't find it anywhere. And I'd usually hand it to people and say, uh, now you'll know if you're right. But today, um, you can, uh, when my spare broken webcam instead, there you go <laughs> what,
1: in memory. In memory of my old fan films I did via webcam <laughs> 15 years ago, 15 yeah. years.
0: <laughs> yeah. 15 years ago. Here's an honorary reward. I don't think it's actually broken so i'll probably keep it but yeah and i think it's my sister's as well so she'd probably kill me if she oh, uh, <laughs> did actually you, but, uh, uh, yeah anyways if there's anything you want to promote anything um any channels i'll put them all in the description i'll um, short from one as well on monthly
1: vlogs but go ahead please look at everything i do <laughs> i make so much of it it <laughs> needs to be seen so it feels worth it my monthly vlog i've got like a monthly vlog channel I've got my uh, Short Films channel, and then I've got Overton Audios. Um, I think I've got another channel where I put all my uni assignments onto it to submit them as well. (laughs) If you want to look at my uni assignments, (laughs) like I've got (laughs) however many YouTube channels.
0: All YouTube channels and uh, like the podcast, like a specific link for a podcast will be put in the description. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thanks for coming on as a guest. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um always. No pleasure. And it's yeah, check out Corner stuff. Make sure to subscribe to this channel as well. Leave a like and share the video. It's been yeah, it's been a pleasure. And I shall see Thank you all me. in the next one. See ya.
2: Bye-bye.
3: Well.